This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hustin Ream with you for the next couple of hours. Marbles to finish off the week, as you've come to expect. For those of you with us live on the YouTube, we'll look forward to dropping them a little later on. Make sure you're with us in and around 2.45 when we open up registration for that. And uh, we actually got a packed show today. Lots to get to. NHL All-Star festivities underway down in South Florida. Skills contest tonight. All-Star game tomorrow. We'll uh, talk a little bit about that. Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey representing the Jets for the Central Division. And actually, Coolbet's got some pretty interesting props for uh, the skills and the weekend. We'll get to that in a few minutes as well. Uh, but we're going to actually start it off going down to South Florida. Tyler Uremchuk, a daily face-off, will join us from the beaches of Fort Lauderdale. And... Uh, we will be talking Jets and we will be talking hockey with none other than Cancun Kenny himself. Ken Weeb, who's going to join us on location from Mexico. Yes, you heard me right. Ken coming up around, um, around 2 p.m. today. Before that, as I mentioned, we're going to talk all-star festivities with Tyler Uremchuk. And we'll also discuss the offseason and the new contract with Jackson Jeffcoat of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it's Friday, no NFL games this weekend outside of the Pro Bowl flag football game. But can't wait to get Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on to uh, talk about a big week in the league from a personnel standpoint, some coaches hirings, as well as his thoughts on the championship games and a little look ahead to the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday. So buckle up. Great to have you all with us. If you're with us on YouTube right now or checking it out afterwards, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and join us daily Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. for the live broadcast of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And for you YouTubers, make sure to check out the podcast. Uh, search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get pods. Give us a sub and you'll have the audio feed when you're not able to join us on YouTube. And of course, shout out to all the podcast listeners. If you haven't checked out what we're doing with video on YouTube, Make a point of checking that out sometime and uh, hit that red button, subscribe to the channel. Uh, just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Coolbet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and we'll get to a why not question of the day for not Autocorp a little bit later on. Michael Remus, get in here. What's going on, dude? I'm feeling good on a Friday. Uh, heading into the weekend, All-Star weekend. Uh, my hockey, I won't have a hockey list night tonight. We got the All-Star skills competition. So I'm actually excited for this. I think that's I think that's always the highlight for me, like the game. Although the game is, is okay, but you really get to see maybe some personalities, some fun events. So I'm looking forward to tonight. And the weekend as well. Yeah, um, you know, we'll get into, uh, normally we do our Kubet line sort of at the end of the program, but we've got a lot coming up. We're going to do marbles later on. Maybe we'll dive into those in a couple minutes. But um, I think considering where we are right now at the break, um, you know, yesterday was a lot of fluff talking with the players at the, at the media day, some funny questions, um, very, very light, very low-key. 
Um, but certainly the Winnipeg Jets had some fun uh, with it. Actually, Remo, let's play that one clip of uh, the hockey cliches that they plugged in there. We can get to that right away. But we will talk about the TSN trade bait board as well as what Frank Saravelli's cooking up and a number of the names that we've been talking about uh, over the last few days and weeks and where the uh, where the insiders uh, have them pegged as far as top trade targets. But uh, there wasn't a lot coming out of yesterday that I think was meaningful enough to play on the program. But Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck did have a little bit of fun with their interviews, giving each other hockey cliches that they had to put into their answers. Yeah, do you want me to just play the video here? So they're doing these uh, media availabilities, just sitting on the beach on a podium. People come up to you and, and shout questions at you. I always wonder how I would react. Like they're just like shoving cameras in your face, asking questions like, um, what rule would you change about the NHL? Uh, what city do you want to have an overseas game in? Um, What's your which favorite Taylor you... Swift song? Yeah, there's someone asking, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Which uh, we all know it's uh, never, ever getting back together. Right, Huss? Is that your favorite one or is that too old? You know, I think I'm sort of like Jack Hughes. I um, I would have had a hard time naming a single Taylor Swift song. Now that you mention that, I guess I have definitely that was the heard one... that. And... Yeah, that was shake it off. I think shake it off. Actually, that's oh, okay. Shake it off. That's certainly I know. I mean, listen. When I hear them, I know them. Um, yeah. But I'm not a card carrying Swifty, so no, I not. don't have a I don't have a very good knowledge of the full T Swift catalog. Um, and it sounded like some of the other NHLers were over yeah. the same thing. But um, let's play this clip. This is just a little bit of fun from South Florida with Morrissey and Hellebuck, who uh, gave each other a hockey cliche that they needed to weave into their answers to the questions down in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, it's Josh Morrissey, and my phrase for Helly is stick to the process. Stick to the process of playing hard and doing that process of trying to make it fast. Uh, we're sticking to the process, and we're working hard. And My phrase for Josh is pucks and beat. How do you get pucks and beat? <laughs> Trying to get pucks in deep. Uh, you know, when guys are committed to getting pucks in deep and, uh, you know, playing, <laughs> playing the game, uh, you know, with things like getting pucks in deep and all that, all the cliches in the world. Um. So, <laughs> guys having a little bit of fun um, with that. Hellebuck was actually one of the stars of the show yesterday. I mean, I saw Jesse Granger um, in, uh, from Vegas talking about, um, you know, how much he enjoyed his conversation with Connor Hellebuck. Uh, Scott Lachlan as well from uh, Sirius XM NHL Radio. Um, there was probably some of the things he was talking about outside of sticking to the process. Um, but, man, it was funny. Jo he really stuck Josh with, like, maybe the hockey cliche of hockey cliches with that pucks in deep line and... Morrissey was having a tough time keeping a straight face as he popped those ones into uh, normally very thoughtful answers from number 44. Well, I saw someone tweeted out like, Josh, I was talking to Josh Morrissey and he dropped a pucks in deep line. What, what is this? This is the all-star game. Come on. And then uh, the director of content for uh, the Jets, Adam Kruger, he just like put the laughing emoji and then tweeted out that that video. So... Uh, they're having some fun with these poor media just trying to do their jobs, and you're dropping pucks in deep. Yeah. 
Oh, All we're trying to do is find out what your favorite Taylor Swift song is, and you're dropping a pucks in deep. Like, have some respect for the media. Come on, guys. Yeah. So, like, I thought they look. Uh, Hellbeck's shirt might have stole the show for me. That. Uh, oh my for, God. Where? Let me pull it South up. South FLA Heli, the uh, the fashion plate. So I mean, this is what we're getting from All Star. Uh, All-Star weekend. I see him having fun. I like that the Jets are represented by two players, so uh, I think it's going to be exciting tonight. And here's the picture of those those two having fun yesterday as I pull it up. Yes, and for you uh, podcast listeners, um, uh, Josh with a nice, very casual, light, breezy, uh, white polo shirt on, uh, but Heli had the full pink and blue I'm not sure whether this is this is not technically a Hawaiian shirt, but it's definitely a beach shirt with uh, with some real Miami Vice vibes. Yeah, and speaking of people asking what other Jets are up to during the break, I did see Kyle Connor post on his Instagram story that he was in Hawaii. So, uh, Whoa, these... Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> How many time zones away is that, Reem? Oh, geez, I think it's five hours behind Winnipeg. Ooh. So. Hopefully he gets tough. back well in advance. I mean, that's fi- that is a five time zone difference. You're gonna have to be ready. Although maybe, maybe that's a good thing considering the Jets are gonna return to action at 9 p.m. next Saturday night to take on the Chicago Blackhawks. That's true. By the way, just on that, uh, it is South Asian Heritage Night. They had that big hit with the Filipino Night earlier this year. They're doing one for the South Asian community. It is a late game, but I did see on, I believe, the Jets' socials today. <clears throat> they're doing a special for that game where for 99 bucks you get a ticket and a South Asian food sampler before the game. So um, check out that website if you're thinking about going to the game. The more I think about that game, Remo, I really do think it is going to be a, a very unique one for Winnipeg Jet fans. Um, there's been a couple of late starts before. Have we had a 9 p.m.? I guess we maybe have had one or two 9 p.m. Saturday games in the past. I do remember an 8.30 Wednesday game at one point due to national television. Yeah, I don't know. If we have maybe one, maybe one. I think in the playoffs, too, was there 8 p.m. start times in the playoffs? But like, Saturday, 9 p.m., I think that's, that's pretty awesome. It's going to be uh, the – I'm predicting the most lit crowd of the year. And uh, can you imagine if you had had Josh Morrissey doing what he did on Monday night – in the fashion that he did to a well-lubricated crowd on a Saturday night for a game that started at 9 p.m. Uh, dare to dream. Um, uh, that being said, we'll have lots of time to talk about the Jets returning to the ice next week, um, and we'll do that obviously throughout the week as well as get ready for uh, the Super Bowl next week. But uh, listen, before we talk a little bit more about the All-Star festivities and get down to Tyler Uremchuk, Remo, let's talk about these trade bait boards. TSN has theirs. Our guy Frank Saravelli has his up right now, and no surprise who the number one guy is on both lists. It's Timo Meyer, the San Jose Sharks, who has been the apple of many Jet fans' eyes. And uh, but we're certainly not alone here in Winnipeg. Sounds like half of the league is interested in trying to acquire the uh, elite winger from the San Jose Sharks for a cup run. Yeah, Frank Saravalli writing uh, Timo Meyer number one, and he's got the trade case. So let's go. He's got the trade targets list. TSN has trade bait. I think the Athletic has the trade big board, and like Chris Johnston even had a trade board this year. So it's going to be hard to keep track. We'll have to do power rank, like aggregate power rankings. 
of all of them. I'll have to come up with some spreadsheet. But he's got Timo Meyer as number one, Huss. And he says the Rangers have their sights set on Meyer as number one. Also mentioned the Devils as interested in having a Swiss connection with Meyer and Nico Heischer. I know we talked a lot about Timo Meyer here. Marat mentioned him. I do wonder, like with the Jets, you know, it's they're never getting the top. They never get the top target on the. That's like the number one on everyone's trade. There's always, you know, someone who you didn't think of, um, Paul Stasny, Kevin Hayes. They're not going for like the top, the top guy. So I. Well, his history has said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't help but think that things are a little different this year, um, because of where the team is you know, in the standings, but also where the team is as far as contracts, the uncertain future of a number of players. Um, If there was ever a time for Kevin Sheveldayoff to really take that big swing at a guy at the top of the trade bait board, I think most people would agree that the dominoes are sort of setting up that this could very well be that year. Now, you have to be willing to pay the price. And if there are another dozen teams in in the National Hockey League, it's a great place for the San Jose Sharks to be especially considering Bo Horvat's already off the board. Although we did hear that the return for Bo Horvat was expected to be potentially in and around the Bo, uh, the, uh, the, the Meyer return in and around what the Canucks got for Bo Horvat. So I think we'd all agree as long as the Winnipeg Jets are willing to part with that first round pick, they certainly have prospects that would be in and around the Atu Ratu level and, you kind of wonder who that player might be that would be going back to San Jose that, you know, would have a little bit of term on their contract and have a spot in the San Jose lineup going forward. But Timo Meyer at the top of the list. The other names that we've mentioned before, Jacob Chikrin, another guy that would look phenomenal in a Winnipeg Jet, New Jersey, and is signed for two more years at $4.6 million. Uh, and then you've got the UFAs, Kane, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Taves, and uh, Vlasov Gavrikov, who's not really a household name to many, uh, but a left-handed defenseman in Columbus um, that is a UFA at the end. Barbashev, another guy. And I know, I guarantee you, Ken, we mentions Barbashev when we talk about this later on. I'll give him credit. He's sort of been on that all year long. But uh, listen, if everyone on this board gets traded, I don't know how many members of the St. Louis Blues are going to be left after all of this, but it seems like half of their team is on one of these boards. Yeah, looking at Frank's list, that was the biggest takeaway for me is that there's St. Louis trying to get the tank on Ryan O'Reilly, Vlad Tarasenko, Ivan Barbashev. I saw Noel uh, Achari in in there uh, too, Frank had him. So um, the Blues, if they're, if, you know, if they've decided, hey, you know what, it's not our year, uh, it could be a big fire sale from them. No defensemen from, from the Blues, but some other defensemen, um, you mentioned Gavrikov. Jake McCabe, I think, is interesting. Like, you look at his numbers on this terrible Chicago team in terms of plus-minus and on-ice goals for and against. He's been very strong. And he's, what, two more seasons at $4 million AAV. Um, I wonder what, what he's going to go for. Uh, Brock Besser and Namehus. Uh, it seems like he's for sure getting traded after they signed uh, Kuzmenko. A little different with Besser, Mil- though, with two years left at 6.65. Yeah. I mean, That's it big. is a pretty big ticket. and. Um, first of all, you got to be able to take on that cap, but you also have to be willing to, you know, eat that and have that player on your roster for the next couple of years. I- I'm a Besser fan. I'm just not sure that um, the value's there long term with uh, what he's getting right now. But 
He certainly would be a player that could score a few goals that could help a team go on a cup run. He's also from Minnesota, so I wonder if the, it makes the Jets more interested. We mentioned that earlier. But yeah, two more seasons at 6.65. That's, that's pretty expensive. Yeah, Klingberg down here is pending UFA. Uh, and Eric Carlson, you know, they mentioned him on the list. He's got four more seasons, 11.5 million AAV. And Frank says it was, you know, a few weeks back, the word leaked the Sharks asking price for Frank. Three first-round picks, and San Jose would retain 18% of the salary. Like, not and Mike Greer said that was not totally accurate report, but, like, would you give up three first-round picks no. for Eric Carlson for four? He's Man, he's having such a good year, 66 points in 51 games. Listen, I know he's having a great year. Um, and it's great to see him back on top because, I mean, his time in San Jose has been very, very underwhelming. Um, you're talking about bringing in one of the most expensive players in the entire National Hockey League. And uh, listen, I, I think that he would be an incredible add, but I'm just not sure that for the commitment that you're going to need to um, to make and the amount of cap space that that's going to take up that the juice would be worth the squeeze. Um, all that being said, though, man, he'd look good on pretty much any blue line the way that he's playing so long for, so far this year. Will that be the same case in three or four years down the road? I'm not sure. But a big part of uh, trade deadline deals are holding your nose about what might happen to your team, your cap, or that player in the future and playing for the present. And as we've spoken about extensively on this program, the time is right now for the Winnipeg Jets with the season that they've had and the opportunity at stake with this wide-open Western Conference. So you can check out all those right now. Uh, TSN, Daily Faceoff. Uh, there's plenty of trade bait lists, and um, certainly we'll have a lot of time to talk about that in the next month because the trade deadline officially one month today. All right, Reem, before we get down to uh, South Florida and bring in Tyler, let's just take a quick look at a couple things for tonight's game. I know people are wondering about Josh Morrissey, what he's going to be participating in. Josh Morrissey is going to be in the hardest shot contest. And, you know, normally I do the cool bet lines later on, but without much else to get to, let's take a look at what the odds are for Morrissey and uh, some of these other props for tonight's game. Hardest shot right now over at cool bet. Alex Ovechkin is minus 120. Elias Pedersen plus 125. Rasmus Dahlin, 7 to 1. Seth Jones plus 750. Josh Morrissey opened as the biggest underdog at 10 to 1. It's now 8 to 1. Uh, but Remo, I believe it was just put out by the NHL PR. As far as the recorded shots in this event, Josh Morrissey actually has the fastest one. And I'll say this defensemen always, always, almost always win this event. Was just doing the lock shop with Dusty and sort of agreed to put a little sprinkle on the three defensemen at 7 or 8 to 1. Dalene, Seth Jones, and Josh Morrissey covers 60% to the field and have the opportunity to more than double your money. But the minute I heard that stat about Josh Morrissey, 44 got a little extra sprinkle. Uh, and I'm sure Jet fans will be following that way. Yeah, I was intrigued to know which event Josh Morrissey would be in. Would they put him in one of these pre-recorded uh, marquee events? Um, what, the dunk tank one or the golf one? Where there's, I think there's a lot more showing your personality and trash talk. We saw that last year with the fountain event and the blackjack event. But, I mean, hardest shot. So I was curious what Mor Morrissey was going to be in. Hellbuck is going to be in the goalie event. There's some saving and some shooting involved in that for a goalie. 
But I mean, hardest shot. That's like one of the classic marquee events. You're in an event with Alex Ovechkin. I think that's a pretty good event to be in. But I was like, Morrissey, does he have that hard of a shot? We know him as like a smooth skating defenseman. So then NHL PR puts out this this graphic here. Hardest shot by each player in 2023. So I guess they got their analytics and technology. They can measure it. Josh Morrissey is the hardest recorded shot of any of these players. 98.18 miles an hour. Ovechkin's been clocked at 97.83. Seth Jones, 96.2. Pedersen, 94.11. And Darlene, 91.08. And Morrissey, you don't think of him as like a big guy, but for him to be clocked at that kind of speed on his slapper ahead of Ovechkin, incredible. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely value if you want to bet on Morrissey. So that's that was pretty cool to see. Huh? So I, I'm you know I'm more optimistic about how he's going to do in this event. How cool would that win be? And I just tweeted out a video from Winnipeg Sports Talk of Dave Manson uh, becoming in as a specialist one year and winning it. I think that was '97. Um, I had so maybe Morrissey could win it too. Another Jet defenseman uh, winning it. Well, it's in the hardest shot, the fastest skater, traditionally the two best events, and they kind of create some nut ones, and you know we'll watch them and see if they're fun. Uh, but this will be fine. And as they say, if you do want to put a little sprinkle on it over at Cool Bet, Morrissey was 10 to 1, now 8 to 1. Uh, but those three defensemen, defensemen always seem to win this award, as uh, this event as well. So that's certainly where the value is right now. We'll see what happens. I like uh, Kale McCarr, the fastest skater. He's actually dropped to plus 220 right now. Dylan Larkin, former champ, is the favorite at 2-1. to one. Chandler Stevenson, Kirill Kaprizov, and Andrei Svechnikov, your other options. As far as the actual event goes, if you want to back the Central Division, Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey, plus 245 to win the All-Star festivities. The Atlantic, a slight favorite at plus 230. Met, 3-1. to one. Pacific, plus 320. And as far as the MVP of the All-Star game goes, our guy Josh Morrissey is there at 40 to 1. All the goalies are right at the bottom. Uh Connor Hellebuck 60 to 1 right now. I don't think you're going to probably be thinking of a goalie making the uh, MVP of the All-Star game, but who knows uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, no doubt Connor McDavid is the favorite. Uh Super Bowl odds continue to be up, moving a bit, but still pretty much steady. Philly minus one, Chiefs even money on the money line. Check it out at CoolBet and use the promo code WST if you haven't played at CoolBet before for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. All right, um, we are going to head down to Florida right now, get a little bit of the uh, sights and sounds of the uh, All-Star Weekend with Tyler Uremchuk of Daily Faceoff, Jackson Jeffcoat coming up, and then Cancun Kenny, Ken Weeb on location a little bit later on. Just before we head down to Florida, don't forget, folks, listen, it's not quite uh, as bad as it was the last couple days, and it is going to be getting warmer, uh, but you've got to make sure your battery's going to get you through this Winnipeg winter. We're far from out of it. Yet, if you're needing a new battery or need a test, pop by Manitoba Battery. Donnie and his great staff will give you a quick checkup and see where your battery's at. If you need one, you can shop local and get the best price in town on batteries at Manitoba Battery. If you're sitting at home, though, and you know you need a battery, save time and money with Manitoba Battery. They'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city. As long as you order that sucker by 3 p.m., you can give them a call or order online at manitobabattery.com. Manitoba Battery, shopping local and saving you time and money on all your battery needs. 
Uh, I got to give a big thanks to our friends at Consolidated Supply. Of course, Marble's a little later on. Still looking forward to uh, seeing Winnipeg Walter and his bomber season tickets. One in our Consolidated Supply Marbles Tournament of Champions in December. Um, they are your first choice for engine parts, spas, outdoor kitchens, irrigation, artificial turf, and more. Whatever the projects you're thinking about getting into once the snow melts, Consolidated Supply is there for you. Get after it and get a head start on it all by popping down, seeing Joe Spicy and the gang. 1395 Niagara Road East, open to the public. You can check them out online at cte.ca. Looking forward to announcing our January winner for the Unsung Hero with Wallace and Wallace. But now accepting nominations for February. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about that person in your community making a difference, whether it's through long hours of volunteering within the minor sports programs or at schools, obviously a variety of charity works, or that person in the neighborhood that's always shoveling a walk of somebody in need or just there as a great neighbor doing selfless acts of uh, kindness for people in and around the way. Let us know, Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Our Unsung Hero will get an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey, and Wallace and Wallace will donate 500 bucks to the Dream Factory in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that made the nomination. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. Uh, just before we get down to FLA, if you're looking for great prices on natural or organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, Vita Health Fresh Market is where you got to go. Family owned and operated since 1936 and carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. Battling colds and sore throats never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's head down to the all-star festivities from Fort Lauderdale and welcome in Tyler Uremchuk from Daily Face Off. Having any fun, dude, or what? How are you? Oh man, we are we are having a great time. It is hot as hell here in Florida. The NHL's done a really good job kind of decking out Fort Lauderdale and you know, banners and like every elevator I've gone into into my in a couple of hotels, they got like players on the front. Like the city has kind of really bought into this and the atmosphere has been awesome. We're having a great time. Yeah, for anyone that's listening on the podcast, we're right now looking at Tyler Yaremchuk with a beautiful oceanfront backdrop palm trees blue water blue skies um i guess now we know why they do this event in the middle of february in one of the nhl's southernmost climates well so i actually had a really interesting conversation with uh with another nhl media member yesterday just talking about how you know at this event you got crosby and ovechkin and kucherov mcdavid no one opted out of this event the guys who are missing it are legitimately injured and there's a lot of times when this event goes through the columbuses or if it were to go through an edmonton i'm sure where there'd be a lot of players going i'm a little nicked up i'll take the one game suspension i'm sitting this one out but you didn't get that this year you really almost didn't get it last year that much when the event was in vegas as well and it got me and this other media member thinking going forward maybe it should be just standard that you know tampa florida vegas nashville those cities get the all-star games and the diehard markets, the Edmontons, the Winnipegs and such, 
they get the drafts. And that's kind of how you go about splitting it up. So every market gets their big events, but you incentivize players to show up to the All-Star game and make sure this thing is kind of done properly and isn't just a joke with a bunch of B-rate players. Well, it is a great point. As much as we love Winnipeg and Edmonton, yeah. uh, I have a feeling the event pops a little bit more and certainly resonates more with the players and gets more buy-in at a uh, locale like we have it now. Um, Tyler, yesterday was media day. Um, it was really neat to see the guys and, and certainly both Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey from the Winnipeg Jets having a good time. And I know Frank had a good sit down with Josh, who uh, I'm sure a lot of people talking about Josh in the season that he's had so far with the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, yeah. He was a uh, hot topic at NHL Media Day. His scrum had a lot of people around there. And like you said, Frank Saravalli was able to sit down one on one with him and a lot of really interesting stuff. I won't spoil too much because it's coming out in uh, Frank's new podcast, Frankly Speaking, on Wednesdays. You can find that wherever you get your podcast from. There's my plug. But Josh talked, you know, about the nickname Josh Norrissey, the season he's having, but also just about the locker room a little bit and how they've kind of banded together over all the drama that surrounded them last year, as you guys know, kind of all too well. Um, but he also talked about the captaincy and the idea that he could one day wear the C, but the angle they kind of went with it. And I was really interested by his answer again, not to give away too much is he talked about how, you know, he watched firsthand Blake Wheeler kind of get the downside, you know, the rough parts of being a captain in the NHL. And if that's even something he wants to sign himself up for, or if that I shouldn't say sign himself up or that's something he wants to be a part of. So it was a really, really good interview. And I'm sure your listeners will want to tune in on Wednesday. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to that coming up next week on, uh, on the new, uh, frankly speaking podcast. Great name, by the way. And I'll tell you what, Josh Morrissey and a C on his chest has been a big topic on this show this week, considering what he did on Monday night against the St. Louis blues, literally putting the team on his back and, uh, giving a bit of a kick in the ass to the people in the stands as well and creating a, an amazing finish to an end of a pretty tough stretch for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, as far as the weekend goes overall, some new um, some new events for the skills competition. Yep. Uh, they continue to try to innovate this and make it a little bit more fun. What, a, what do you know about what's going to be taking place for fans when they watch the skills part of the weekend? Okay, so... Frank gave me this info, and I am not telling tales out of school. That is the line he delivered on Daily Faceoff Live earlier today. The dunk tank one, I heard, didn't go as planned. And it'll be interesting to see, because it was taped yesterday. So was the golf one. Similar, similar to last year when they taped the Blackjack and the Bellagio Fountain event the night before. These were pre-taped. I'll be very interested to see on TV how that one particular event ends up kind of going and how the viewers experience it compared to apparently, because I wasn't there, apparently what went down at the taping. But I'm excited for the one that's like the hybrid of hockey and golf. I think that could give us kind of some fun moments and a few laughs and a chance to see the guys show off their talent in another sport as well. Um, so, yeah, those are the two big ones. We'll see how well the NHL pulled them off. I guess at their worst, at least they took a swing. And you have a couple of events that have a cool backdrop because they shot them at the beach just behind me there. Now, this hockey golf thing, is it a long drives with pucks or is it legitimately hitting golf balls like we would normally do when we hit the range or a top golf? So I have the definition here. Um, where is it? The pitch and puck event. They say it's four NHL players competing on a par four island green using a combination of hockey and golf shots. And if there's a tie, 
they say the tie goes to the player who had the longest drive. So I read that. And again, I wasn't at the taping of these, so I don't know how they all went down. And I don't want to spoil anything. I read that as they're playing a hole of golf where they alternate between using a golf club and a hockey shot. I don't know. That'd be neat if that is what it is. I, I, I'm here for that stuff. I mean, as they say, you know, they're trying to make things innovative. Uh, they're trying to make things fun. And, you know, things like I saw at the Pro Bowl yesterday, they had Zadarius Smith from the Vikings who'd never hit a golf ball before uh, in the long drive. And on his third third shot, he actually made contact and absolutely nuked it, as he would think uh, the contact from an NFL player was. Um, so we will look forward to it. Uh, no Connor McDavid in the fastest skater. I understand that he is retired from that event uh, going forward. Yeah, so one of the questions I asked Frank today again on our live show was, is it fair or foul that Connor McDavid kind of went to the league and said, I'm not doing it. And I have, a, I have a hard time with this one because we've heard Dylan Larkin in the past talk about how, you know, when you're doing that event and you want to win it, you got to be stretching all day. You need to be taking care of your legs because you're otherwise you're just going from standing around all day to like, boom, skating as fast as you can for a full lap. And I think that can actually be, be kind of tough. And there's a bit of a risk for an injury there as well. So you need to be like really mindful and conscious of the way you're treating your body that day when that's the one event you're doing. So McDavid stepping up and saying, hey, I don't want to go through that. I, there's a part of me that says, as the best player in the league, you know, he's showing up to these all-star events. He's not opting out of them as a whole, like we've seen Crosby and Ovechkin do. Kind of when they even got to this point in their careers, if we're being honest, McDavid's still showing up. And part of me says, okay, he doesn't want to do fastest skater. That's fine. As long as he's here. There's another part of me that goes, you know, you're the Michael Jordan in the dunk contest of this event, right? Everyone wants to see how fast Connor McDavid can skate the lap. And you know, it's not like he's won it a lot. Dylan Larkin has the record, all of that. There's a part of me that just kind of sits there and goes, maybe you should just win it a couple times. And if you win it back-to-back -back years or even just win it one more time, you can say, hey, I got the crown, I got the belt, now I'm out. But it, I, I don't love that he's opting out, but I understand, I guess, is my answer. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, as I said, these guys are here to represent their teams and represent the league. Um, but it would be better if Connor McDavid was in it. I don't think anyone will debate that. Uh, will debate that. Um, back to media yesterday, media day yesterday. Um, where was Sid? Good question. Uh, yeah, Sidney Crosby, one of the only players who didn't show up. And again, you've been on Twitter the last couple of days. It's this big debate about why are the ratings dropping? Why isn't the NHL growing down south? Having one of your marquee players not show up for the media event where I get it. Like, it's just, it's low ball questions. There was a reporter asking players their favorite Latin American city and then having them read a line in Spanish. Someone was going around asking their favorite Taylor Swift songs. It's not serious stuff. But when you go out there and you put on a nice face and you smile and you have fun with these questions, clips of you go a little bit viral. You have a bit of an online presence, which Sidney Crosby certainly does not have. So I don't know the reasoning, to be fair. Maybe there was a legitimate reason why he didn't come to the media day, but it is kind of weird that the guy who skips out on a lot of all-star games or finds convenient reasons to not be at all-star games a lot. He was the only one who didn't show up. Ovechkin was there. Kucherov, McDavid, Dreisaitl, go down the list. The superstars showed up. Sid didn't. And I just kind of raised an eyebrow at that. Yeah, it just, it's a little strange. And also no, no one's going to give Crosby a hard time for what he has done yeah. or hasn't done for the National Hockey League. But, uh, you know, especially with this game, and uh, like Tyler, I mean, you made this point a little earlier. I mean, this is, could be one of the final times we're seeing 
Sid and Ovi and McDavid and, you know, like these two generations of superstars at the same event. And, uh, you know, it, it would have been great to hear a little bit more from Sid, but the good thing is he'll be playing and participating. And I guess what he and Ovi are teaming up in one of the events is that is that did I read that right? Yeah. So, OK, in the dunk tank one, you have uh, Crosby and McKinnon are teaming up in an event. But there was another one. I believe it's the breakaway challenge. Yeah. Where Ovi and Crosby are going to team up together. So, again, I'm going to tie this back to media day. How cool would it have been if the beach backdrop Crosby and Ovechkin did a joint media avail and the two of them joked about what they're planning for the shooting thing, built up some drama for it, got some eyeballs on it. We would have gotten some great sound bites. I would have lived forever of those two kind of hamming it up. I think that would have been a really cool moment. And it's just, again, the NHL just didn't have the foresight, I guess, to plan that out. But I do love that they're letting 80, 87 and the big eight go together in the breakaway challenge. Cause who knows, you know what I would love? I just, while we're throwing out predictions, joint obviously but what if crosby redid the ovechkin play from remember when he was at the all-star game in montreal with the canada hat and the two sticks maybe we'll get like a play on that i don't know anything i'm just spitballing but i am excited to see what they do together i don't know if sid has that club in his bag to be honest with you (laughs) yeah probably not it doesn't quite seem like a very Sidney crosby ish um who were the stars of media day yesterday i mean you were there you probably had a pretty good idea about um, you know where the media was going to i mean uh was there a player or two that maybe surprised folks or had a few more people around them than might have been expected? Well, obviously me being an Edmonton Oilers guy, uh, Leon Dreisettle dropping the nugget that he and Connor McDavid are growing out their mullets together because Connor McDavid made a bet with rookie Dylan Holloway that if they win six in a row, he'll start growing out the mullet. And sure enough, the Oilers won six in a row. So McDavid's got the sides trimmed up. He's growing out the hair out back i thought that was kind of funny i liked mitch marner taking a little jab at brad marchand as well he was asked if uh if there was one event that could be added to all-star weekend that he knows he would win what would it be and he chuckled and said oh this one's for brad marchand give me video games i'd beat anyone in call of duty in the nhl so i thought marner was good and having some fun dry as always was solid in front of the camera as well and jack hughes as well i thought just had some nice funny moments but i do think the biggest crowd they had the they had Brady and Matt Kachuk doing a little joint thing at one point, and there was a lot of people drawn to that. Obviously, with Kachuk being a Panther, a full entertainment when you get the Kachuk boys together, yeah. uh, that's for sure. Uh, what about Connor? Is it McDavid having any fun? Is he getting through the weekend okay? Yeah, I mean, I almost feel bad for him when some of the questions are being asked. Like when it's someone like Drysaitel there, I think a lot of hot. It, it was a lot of the normal hockey reporters who had like some really good questions a few people who wanted to have fun with him but when it's Crosby there there was a lot of media who I didn't recognize who were like who was an inspiration for you growing up or like do you have a favorite goal that you've scored and just this kind of like black like underhanded weird questions he's probably been asked 200 times in his career so I do kind of feel feel bad for him because he has he has to deal with more questions than probably anyone there and more weird ones than anyone. Um, so there wasn't anything that good from Connor McDavid. Personally, I talked to him a little bit about Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and a couple of his teammates. And I always find it interesting. Like the best answers from Connor always come when he's talking about his teammates. And that probably doesn't surprise anyone as most hockey players would kind of be the same way, but nothing too good from McDavid. Honestly, I'll, I'll say this though. He and Leon, I'm sure are in, a little, are in a little bit better of a mood than maybe they would have been if this event was two or three weeks ago. I mean, uh, the Oilers did run those six wins off in a row. They're what seven, one and two in their last 10 and now back in a playoff spot. I mean, um, 
Listen, they were beating teams that they had to beat well below them in the standings for the most part. But um, how would you characterize the mood around the Oilers now as opposed to what it was, say, uh, middle of January? Well, one thing Connor McDavid did say is he felt like their loss to Los Angeles earlier in January was the turning point for the team. He said their special teams was garbage. The power play was brutal. The penalty kill was brutal. They lost the game because of it. But he said their five-on-five play took a step. And I also, in that game, remember three fighting fighting majors. And since then, the Oilers have been willing to drop the mitts. They feel like they're coming together as more of a team. And you mentioned they've been beating the hell out of the teams they should be beating the hell of. There's big wins against Anaheim and San Jose and, and Chicago mixed in there, but also really impressive wins against Vegas on the second of back-to-backs when you had to start Jack Campbell in both those games against Tampa Bay, which was a spirited affair at home. And this team's just coming together right now. It is a vastly different vibe and feel than a month ago, but McDavid also touched on this, I guess. The Western Conference is crazy tight. We've seen a bunch of teams go on these heaters. Look at the St. Louis Blues, right? They were dead in the water three months ago. Boom, big heater. They're back in it, and then they fall back flat on their face again. And McDavid just pointed out, like, there's been a few times this year where a team will win six in a row, and then they'll lose four in a row right after, and they're right back out of the playoff race. So he really emphasized just the run they're on is great, but they need to really make sure they come out of the all-star break and don't let this time off zap their momentum. No, it's so true. And I mean, the Jets were staring four losses in yeah. uh, in the face in a row before Josh Morrissey's heroics in the third period on Monday that certainly lightened the mood around here. And you know what? While we're mentioning the Oilers and Jets, um, we were having some fun with the money puck odds yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw those, yeah. but... Um, you know, the top two teams by the money puck model to win the West are Winnipeg and Edmonton. Edmonton being a little bit ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. Carolina being the number one team ahead of Boston. Um, you know, take all those numbers for what it's worth. But, I mean, the one thing, uh, Tyler, that really does stand out at this point in the season when you look at the West is just how wide open it is. And, you know, with the Colorado Avalanche, you know, with the injury issues that they've had, I think everyone knows that they're going to be a very tough out once we get to the playoffs and we expect them to be there. But it does add some more intrigue, I think, going into the trade deadline because of how many teams think that maybe this is their perfect shot to make a run, um, a run that they haven't had before. Yeah, I mean, let's just look at who the sellers are, right? It's Chicago, Arizona, St. Louis, and then I guess in the Pacific, you have Vancouver and whatever left they have to sell, San Jose and Anaheim. Well, if only six teams are selling, and I mean, maybe a team like Nashville isn't going to buy or sell, they'll just stand pat. But if six teams are selling, that in a way says, okay, there's 10 teams that might be buyers in just the Western Conference. And honestly, I think the Eastern Conference is more of the same because a team like Ottawa doesn't have a lot to sell. If anything, they could be looking to add like a long-term right-shot demon. Teams like Buffalo and Detroit, who maybe aren't like firmly in a playoff spot, they're in the mix, they're probably not really looking to sell either. They're probably looking to maybe add a long-term piece. So it's a fascinating market. I really do think it'll become a seller's market over the next little bit here with kind of the lack of high-end pieces available at the deadline. And I think prices could start to get really high. So, I mean, a guy like Bo Horvat, I was surprised Vancouver jumped and dealt him when they did because, again, I felt like if they would have held them for two or three more weeks, prices would have just keep going up as teams start to believe in themselves more and more. Well, it's funny that you mention that because I do have a theory that the timing of this trade from the Islanders standpoint was to give them some time to feel out Horvat, his agent, and kind of see their chances on signing him. And if it's not going to go their way and they don't get back into the playoffs, we could see Bo Horvat traded again before the deadline. 
And wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that just be an encapsulation of everything happening with the Vancouver Canucks? If he went to New York for three weeks and then got traded again for a much better return than the Canucks got in the initial deal. <laughs> I mean, it would be hilarious because the Canucks kind of deserve it the way they've handled a bunch of things throughout the season. On the other side of it, that doesn't feel like a Lou Lamorello move to me. He feels like a guy at this point in his career who is like, I just want to make the playoffs. Oh, I won't have a bunch of picks and prospects that won't be here for four or five years when I'm probably not here. Fine by me. I want to make the playoffs. And I guess if you have a goalie like Ilya Sorokin having the season he's having, all you need to do is get in. So listen, I wouldn't have pulled that trigger if I was the GM of either team. So I guess in that sense, it's a win-win or a lose-lose. I don't know. Oh, I'll say this though. I mean, they're still 10th in the standings. Yeah. Two points out of that eight spot, having played three more games. I mean, their realistic odds to make the playoffs are in the 20 percentiles. And if things don't turn around, I mean, can you imagine if Lou Lamorello trades what he traded to get Bo Horvat, they miss the playoffs and they don't re-sign him? I mean, that would be a fireable offense in most other most other spots in the league. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. If you don't make the playoffs, period, after pulling off a move like that and giving up a first round pick. Yeah, I mean, I think regardless of if they sign him or not, that's a fireable offense. That is a big time addition to make. And if it doesn't pan out, that's bad news for Lou, I think. Tyler, your Emchuk daily face off joining us from the NHL All-Star festivities down in South Florida. Just speaking of the uh, of the deadline, I know there probably a lot of scuttlebutt between the media members in and around there. We've talked a lot about Timo Meyer, who seems to be one of the top players on the market. Now, good he'd look here in Winnipeg. I'm sure that same conversation's been had around the National Hockey League. Jacob Chikrin as well, wondering if he's ever going to get traded and what the cost would be. Uh, outside of those two players, Tyler, is there a player or two that maybe we haven't been talking a lot about that you're hearing a little bit of buzz that might be attractive at uh, on the 3rd of March? Two new names on Frank Saravalli's trade targets board that I think are very fascinating. The one for me is Carol Vimelka in Arizona. This is a goalie who faces a lot of rubber on a very bad Coyotes team. If he's available, two more years at $2.75 million. The Kings, the Kraken, I think every team, even the Sabres, any team who has a slight need between the pipes, why would you not want a guy who's potentially a legitimate number one in the league for $2.75 million for two more years? I think he could return a lot. And the name Frank really likes is Sam Lafferty in Chicago, calling him Brandon Hagel Light. This guy is tied for second in the NHL in shorthanded goals. He skates like an absolute demon. He's under contract on a pretty controlled number as well. I, I think that's a name that a lot of teams will be lining up for. I think Edmonton would be heavily interested in Sam Lafferty because of the cost-controlled aspect and because their penalty kill has been largely junk this season. So that's a name to certainly keep an eye on that's maybe a little bit more under the radar than the Kane and Taves of the world. It's funny that you mentioned Vimelka. Um, he has put together some of the most incredible goaltending performances oh. against the Winnipeg Jets over the last two years. I mean, uh, you know, we joked last year that... Well, from what we've seen, Carl Vimelka is the best goalie in the league. I mean, every time he plays Winnipeg, he stands on his head, and he's done that to a few other teams. Now, listen, it hasn't all been uh, shutouts and 50-save wins, uh, obviously, with what's going on in Arizona. But with his contract, where he's at, and what he's done so far, that would be, and I'd imagine that would be a player that would get um, a significant haul because of the massive need. I mean, the L.A. Kings... They've done everything except stop the puck so far this year. And, you know, it's funny. You look at that model, and I think we were thinking, why are the Jets so high? It probably has a lot to do with Connor Hellebuck. Um, 
it's not very high on the Kings' chances to even make the playoffs, and that has to go to a big hole in net that Quick and Peterson just have not been given L.A. this year. Well, and it's not even like L.A. has a future guy coming that it's like, oh, if we just make it to next year, we'll be fine. Their only goalie under contract for next year is Cal Peterson. He's in the American Hockey League. I just I don't understand why Rob Blake is kind of sitting on his hands when it comes to this. I know there aren't a lot of names out there, but between Reimer, potentially Vamelka, maybe they go big game hunting at someone who we're not even talking about right now. But like if you're talking about a team and having a clear cut need, the Kings in goaltending, that's top of the list. Tyler Remchuk's with us. Uh, so, Ty, let people know where they can get all the content that you and Frank are cranking out right now and give another plug for uh, Frankly Speaking and where people can get that. Yeah, Frankly Speaking with Frank Saravalli is what you have to search wherever you get your podcast from. Episode 1, Kings head coach Todd McClellan. Episode 2, Oilers forward Zach Hyman. And now he's got Kadri and Morrissey coming up in the next few weeks here. And then also the Daily Faceoff YouTube is where you're going to want to keep it locked. It's exactly a month until the trade deadline. And you know Frank Saravalli, he's the insider and he's not afraid to dish out what kind of knowledge he has. So over the course of the next month, we're going to be putting a lot of content on the YouTube, and we'll probably have some stuff on what the Winnipeg Jets could get up to as well. Hey, Tyler, thanks so much for doing this. Say what's up to Frank. Uh, we'll enjoy the rest of the content. Uh, don't have too much fun out there, and uh, we'll talk to you in the next few weeks before we get to the deadline. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, don't uh, tell my bosses, but I might grab a Bud Light Lime out of my fridge and go walk in the ocean for a little bit. Not a bad plan. <laughs> All right, good stuff with Tyler Yaremchuk of Daily Face Off down at the All-Star Game. Uh, we, uh, we're going to have Jackson Jeffco jump on. He's going to come on a little bit later on. We'll have Hacksaw Marvel's <laughs> coming up, but, uh, a very special guest from a special locale coming up in just a second. Before we do that, do have to give a big shout out to our friends over at Royal sports for their support of Winnipeg sports talk since day one. Royal is the sports superstore in Winnipeg family owned for 40 years in the game with the best hockey selection anywhere. Um, if you've been into Royal, you know how big of a store it is. You know what sort of stock they have. And when it comes to skates, sticks, equipment, um, it's a one-stop shop for everything related to the favorite sports you play, especially hockey. But it's for fans, too. Um, you won't find a better selection of licensed merchandise maybe anywhere in Canada, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and you have to, it has to be seen to be believed. Popeye, 750 Pemina Highway, see thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, tons of gear for your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, not to mention NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, the rest of the National Hockey League, and international soccer as well. Whatever your sporting needs are, Royal Sports is there the undisputed champs of the game, 750 Pemina Highway, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um, speaking of uh, new duds, guys, if you're thinking about upgrading the wardrobe, our friends at F Apparel are ready and waiting for you to come down and visit them at 190 Smith Street. The best in men's clothing, all custom <clears throat> including custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. Um, and more than just suits, though, pants, shirts, custom shirts, tucked and untucked, not to mention a great selection of men's accessories. And, fellas, if you're in a wedding party, ask them about their wedding party specials so uh, you don't waste your money renting the tux. You get a great suit that you can wear beyond the big day. And uh, if you've got a 2023 high school grad in the family, 
They got a free custom shirt and tie waiting for you with any custom suit purchased down at F Apparel. Find out more at 190 Smith Street. Check them out online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And uh, hey, if you're thinking about a great spot to maybe head out with the fellas or the gang and have a few cold ones, schooners in this case, and some delicious wings while watching the All-Star festivities this weekend, you know where to go, your local Boston pizza. And if it's a little too cold outside to leave the nest, you can get all the great taste of Boston pizza delivered hot and ready online at bostonpizza.com. All right. Well, normally we uh, talk to him in rinks. We talk to him at his spot in Winnipeg. But today it's Cancun Kenny. Ken Weeb joining us from uh, south of the border, if you will, taking a little bit of time to enjoy <laughs> some time off. There he is. In beautiful Cancun. What's up? How's the trip going? Hustle is uh, great to be with you. Yeah, it's going very well. Uh, yes, a little bit of unplugging. My colleague Ryan Dixon is down in Fort Lauderdale uh, for the NHL All-Star festivities. And uh, I am enjoying some nice time in the sunshine and a little bit of relaxation. Huss, and, you know, oddly enough, I ran into Calgary Flames play-by-play broadcaster Derek Wills here. So... Small world, this hockey world, even in Cancun. No. Uh, sounds like there'd be a lot of people interested in uh, um, requesting a trade to the uh, future franchise uh, in Cancun, uh, Mexico, I believe. It, it's, not a, it's not a Kyrie Irving situation, Hus, but uh, I would think there'd be a few requests uh, on that line as well. Well, let's just say it's a good thing that the All-Star <laughs> festivities weren't here in Winnipeg this week with what we're uh, dealing with right now. What's the... Uh, What's the SPF situation on the dome? Have you been applying it uh, or have you gone with the big bucket hat look? As you know me, I burn very easily. Uh, I have been applying the 60 uh, quite frequently on the dome. Uh, happy to report that on day four, there is uh, still no sunburn to be had. Uh, definitely wearing a hat at times as well as we uh, it had a really, we had a really fun a beach volleyball game this morning, Huss, that uh, had a had a had a hat on for that. The old, uh, I got to get an upgrade because it was the old Players Cup hat I had going here. I got to got to get that upgraded to the Manitoba Open. Yeah, I'll get you a, a Chief Super Bowl hat in a couple of weeks uh, when <laughs> yeah, uh, when they all said all said and done. Um, uh, you know, Ken, listen, I want to talk a little bit about the trade bait board and just the thought of the Jets at the uh, at the break. Um, but considering we haven't spoken since last week, and it's been a hot topic for many reasons on the program, not only is he representing the Winnipeg Jets in his first All-Star game, but Josh Morrissey's heroics on Monday. You followed this young man in his career. He's continued to take step after step after step into one of the best in the league. But I'd imagine that you'd share my uh, my feelings that this was a seminal moment for the team this season and a... Uh, a clear, clear message that Josh Morrissey uh, is uh, one of, if not the leader on this team when it comes to captain-like performances. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. Uh, you know, Josh is uh, such an incredible individual, and uh, I was very honoured to have been able to have an opportunity to speak with him on the morning uh, before the game, Huss, uh, for my all-star feature that went up yesterday about Morrissey's journey to the, the, Ken we bump? the Ken we bump yes. for Monday no, night. No, no, that, that, that's, that's not what I'm suggesting, but uh, very privileged to be able to tell his uh, his story, which we know uh, featured plenty of twists and turns over the years. And uh, I agree with you, like going back to, uh, back to the game on Monday, I mean, it's easy to overstate these things, us, and, you know, occasionally we do in our, in our positions, but 
uh, for a team that had been, you know, wobbling a little bit of late. I honestly, that might be that third period might be the most important period the Jets have played uh, this season. I mean, with no exaggeration. I mean, this was a team that had gone two and five and was kind of scuffling a little bit here. And, you know, Josh Morrissey channeled his inner Tom Brady and brought the crowd to its feet. Uh, you know, a little bit of let's go happening, uh, you know, insert blank here. Uh, you know, if you want to read his lips, if you want to add whatever adjective you'd prefer, go right ahead. Uh, Mark Shifley preferred to go with friggin and uh, we understand why. Uh, but man, it was, it was such an impressive rally for the jets against a, another team that had been scuffling and another team that had broken their hearts previously, huh? says Mark, uh, you know, Shifley answered when I asked him why they seem to be able to get up for playing the St. Louis blues. Uh, but yeah, just an impressive game. I mean, 27, 27 of ice time, I believe. I mean, I think he had seven shots on goal, 11 attempts, three hits, three blocks and scored two of the most important goals. The jets have, have had this season, uh, including the game winner. So, I mean, uh, you know, outside of fighting the toughest player on the other team, Josh Morrissey pretty much did it all in that game. Uh, and he will leave the uh, fisticuffs to others. Uh, not that he, not because he can't, but because he's probably too valuable to be sitting in the box for five plus minutes at a time. So no, I'm with you. I mean, we can roll back the tape. I mean, I, I think that after the Blake Wheeler decision was made, I mean, I'm on record as you know, there are a lot of great columns by my colleagues this week talking about Josh being a great candidate to be the next captain. Uh, for me, I mean, I'm pretty sure I said it on this show. I wrote it in a column. I mean, I think that Josh Morrissey is the next captain of the Jets. Uh, I think it's going to happen next season in the, in the summertime, whenever they want to roll it out. But, uh, you know, he's just done an amazing job in terms of his leadership all season long. And I'm with you. That was probably the best example of it, uh, you know, at least on the ice. I mean, we know there have been examples behind closed doors, but... Uh, that was just a great example on the ice itself. And I think it was important too, because I mean, we talked about this last Friday um, when Josh was a bit defiant in his scrum, uh, you know, he's like, what's going on here? Uh, the, the sky's not falling folks. And then to have a performance like that after the jets kind of laid a dud against the Philadelphia flyers, I think was even more important. Uh, but again, I, I think that it wasn't just Monday. I think Friday he showed great leadership as well in terms of how he handled uh, that, that, you know, just exuding confidence at a time when the team was having a bit of a tough goal. You know, I, listen, they needed that win. I, mean, I think we all agree that, I mean, that would have been a very different mood from players heading out on a break that I think the team needed win or lose. Um, but, you know, the way that they rallied, the way Josh led them, of course, right going into his first appearance at the All-Star game, I mean, it was a great way to put the brakes hard on um, what was a pretty ugly week for the Winnipeg Jets. And um, now, of course, you know, whatever, 10 or 11 days off and back at it next week. Uh, but just on Morrissey, Ken, um, he has taken so many strides this year. I mean, he looks like, I don't want to say a completely different player because, I mean, he's always been a very solid, important member of the Jet Blue Line. But when you look at the guy that is representing the Jets at the All-Star game compared to last season and seasons in the past, where, where does it start for you? Um, I know the coaching staff is going to get some credit with the way that the team is playing, but a lot of this is personal growth and um, reaching potentials, maybe even beyond the potential that most people saw in this player through most of his NHL career. 
Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, I was lucky that, you know, I watched Josh in that final Western Hockey League final against the Brandon Weekings um, a couple of years back when the big trade was made along with Leon Dreisaitl. And this is the player that you saw in junior, Huss. This is a guy who, you know, he was a 60 plus point guy there. Uh, you know, one of the top producers in the Western Hockey League. Uh, plays with such incredible confidence. And, you know, it just goes back to, it's it's so interesting. We've talked about his skating and his ed- edge work so much in the last couple of years. He it continues to work at that part of his game. And I mean, I had a chance to talk with Eric Comrie when he came through with the Sabres recently. And he talked about that, that dedication to the game and that that's always been there for Josh. Um, the unlocking of his offensive game has really been such an impressive thing to watch us. Uh, and I asked Josh again, he's spoken so often about the conversation that took place, but I asked him like how he felt after the conversation in July. And he was like, he hung up the phone and he was like, I don't know that a coach has ever believed in me to this degree at, at any level, basically. And he said, I was ready to run through a wall for the guy. He said it really helped him in his training. He really pushed himself. And when the, when the season started, that whole green light thing, us, we've seen it on display. And it, like the thing that I always like to talk about here when we talk about the emergence, I mean, Dustin Bufflin was an offensive dynamo, but he sort of, he his risk reward level was like, in like hyper speed, like it was in, it was rubbing high in the RPMs quite regularly. Whereas with Josh, it's not as aggressive, if you will. I mean, and when he can, when he goes up the ice, he can also get back a lot of the time. And again, that's not a knock on Dustin Bufflin whatsoever. It just, he played the game with a little bit more of a uh, aggressive flair um, than Josh does. But Josh has shown that he has a lot of offensive gifts. He's got a you know great shot. He's got great skating ability. He's got great vision. And now that he had a coach that told him to basically be that fourth man in the rush, I mean, we talk about Roman Yossi all the time. Roman Yossi sometimes is the first man on the rush, and that's a little bit more obscure too when it comes to defense, but it works for him and it works for the Predators. Josh does a great job of getting the play going and then being an, an extra outlet and, and being a you know the second wave and uh, he's just done an exceptional job, and I, I know the power play has been a work in progress here. You know, Ehlers has been out. You know, he missed those 36 games, and the last couple games he was on the set, or last game for sure, he was moved back to the second power play. They're just trying to get all the pieces together, but one of the pieces that's been working really well is Josh Morrissey uh, running things at the top. He's done a great job uh, with the man advantage. His five-on-five production has been excellent. And that's the biggest thing for me has always been this with Josh. His point totals have skyrocketed. He's three points behind Dustin Bufflin for the most points ever by defenseman Jets 2.0 slash Atlanta Thrashers. But it has, he hasn't sacrificed in the defensive end. I mean, yes, there have been some times where, you know, especially when he's been with Pionk, which I actually would like to say, Huss, I know we've occasionally talked a lot about how Pionk needs to be better and be the, you know, the second best defenseman on the Jets in that second half. I thought he had a stronger finish in the last game or two before the break. But with Josh, he's just done an exceptional job on so many levels. And here's the thing. He's not going to be complacent going to the All-Star break and, you know, doing my best to unplug here. But every post that you saw yesterday on social media, what you saw was Josh Morrissey with a smile, like absolutely plastered across his face. I love what the Jets posted that both Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck had a phrase they had to use in <laughs> we the played scrums. it at the start of the absolutely show absolutely hilarious and I, I, it was funny a couple people had posted I, I saw a couple of things on twitter 
oh my God, uh, Josh Morrissey just dropped the pucks in deep. And I don't think that those people had any idea it was part of Total disrespect for the media. I mean, just outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. How could they do that, Ken? At such but a serious I mean, event like the All-Star game. <laughs> and here's the other part, too. I mean, and for the folks who missed my story at sportsat.ca, I mean, I had a chance to talk to Josh's brother, Jake, after I spoke with Josh extensively in the morning for the piece. And this is a family that's been through an awful lot. I mean, the passing of their father is well publicized and documented. But like to hear the stories from those, you know, Josh and Jake both about, you know, their mom, Bev Jarvis, being out on the outdoor rink with them and Tom being in the outdoor rink. And, you know, anyone who has an older brother, you know, Josh taking the shots, ringing them off the, off the face mask and the, you know, the younger brother running up and crying and then, but coming back, uh, Jake talking about, you know, you know, you do those things because you want to be like your brother. You, know, you want to be like your big brother. And uh, the thing that really resonated with me was how much those guys loved being able to win that championship together with the Kelowna Rockets. It was the first time they played organized hockey together with that two-year uh, separation uh, in terms of, you know, their age gap. Um, and Jake flat out said to me, he said, you know, I don't have any regrets about not making the NHL because I got this, you know, th- three, four-month period where my older brother was my roommate. We won a championship together and, and he's sharing in Josh's biggest moment of his career. I mean, we often make fun about all oh, the all-star game is not what it used to be, or it's not like MLB where they're playing full on and, and whatever else. But uh, for this family and group of close friends, given what they went through losing their father, I mean, they were going to cherish and soak in every moment. And it was pretty clear yesterday that uh, Josh was enjoying the, uh, the media attention and then he's going to be enjoying the hardest shot and, um, yeah, yeah, you think he's got some smoke for his opponents tonight? We were going over the uh, the odds at the beginning of the program, and when I saw it, and right. listen, the books are so different for this. I mean, Kulvet had him. I did a show with Chris Meany this morning on uh, on the FTN network, and he pulled up some numbers that had Morrissey at four to one. Kulvet had him at ten to one. That's now come down to eight to one. But the three defensemen are all seven to one or more in Darlene, Seth Jones, and Morrissey. And you've got Pedersen and Ovi who are the favorites. But the NHL put out that as far as those players this year, Josh Morrissey has the hardest shot amongst the, the recorded shot of any of those players. And I don't know, it might be a surprise to some, not Blake Wheeler, that's for sure. Uh, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, see how he does tonight because I think he's going to... Listen, overall, I think he's going to have fun tonight. I think he'll want to put his best foot forward. But big picture, Ken, I think this being named an all-star and this experience is going to be uh, another thing that just helps Josh Morrissey continue to grow into the player that the Winnipeg Jets uh, are seeing and that you know they want him to be. Yeah, no doubt. And, and then, like the other part of this too, Hassan, you know, the Josh Morrissey campaign will be, you know, kind of, I would say that there, the spotlight if you're a person who hasn't watched a lot of Josh Morrissey and you spent any time with the individual over the last 24 hours in that type of a setting, uh, I would say that people are going to have their eyes open for one about the person. And for two, I mean, yes, we know this is more of a laid back, relaxed event. I mean, I'm not saying Josh is going to be out there running people in the three on three game, but he's going to be doing his best when it comes to hardest shot. And I'm sure he's going to be exuding a lot of effort for the, you know, when you look at Josh and Connor Hellebuck, the competitiveness, like those guys aren't going to want a two and done. Like those guys are going to want to win 
the three on three competition, aren't they? I mean, like that's just their mentality. I mean, we'll see how the rest of the, the, the folks feel on the central division team, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important for, for Josh. I mean, because we know Winnipeg's not a market that gets a lot of, you know, national or North American recognition and having the two players there and the two players that have you know had the biggest impact on the Jets season and a team that's had a lot of great individual performances I mean, you know that Sean Reynolds and I have been discussing this quite a bit, but like, you don't have to debate who's the MVP this weekend because both of the two most important players uh, to this point are representing their team and the Central Division at the All-Star Weekend. So uh, I think it's going to be something too where uh, I think that Josh will, you know, some players, it's interesting how you and I discussed, I mean, if you're a Jets fan, you probably want Connor, you wanted Connor Hellebuck to take the five days off and take the break given the workload he's going to have probably, you know, 20 to 22 starts out of the last 30 games. But then to see how important it was to Connor Hellebuck to be at this event and to have people talking about him as one of the best goalies in the league after last year, he kind of, you know, we know the underlying numbers were still pretty good, but he wasn't in that discussion last year on the national scene. So uh, I think it was an important thing for both of these guys. And I think they're going to soak in the experience and they'll still have some time coming out of the all-star break, you know, instead of going away on a vacation, I think them getting the national recognition is something that will kind of help them and give them a boost down the stretch during those last 30 games where the Jets need to be them at, at, at their absolute best. All right, Ken Weeb of sportsnet.ca and Kenny and Rennie fame with us live. Cancun Kenny today on location as we uh, get ready for a little bit of a break. Um, Ken, I did want to quickly ask you about the uh, – myriad of trade lists, trade bait boards, potential players. Um, Timo Meyer's at the top of all of them right now. Um, do you think the Winnipeg Jets take a big swing and uh, make a legitimate attempt to try to get him? Or uh, would you think that maybe their targets are a little bit lower down on uh, on the list? Yeah, it's super interesting, Huss. I mean, a lot of people are kind of drawing the parallels to when Mark Stone went to the Vegas Golden Knights. There's some similarities here. Uh, in terms of you know taking a big swing, uh, I do think the Jets will make a substantial offer for Timo Meyer. Does that mean they're going to win the bid for him? That I'm not 100% sure on. Obviously, uh, I do know there would be an appetite for a player like Timo Meyer given his circumstances, especially if they think they can sign him long term. Uh, you know, since my hit last week, we know that Bull Horvat is off the board and kind of an unexpected uh, landing spot for him. Uh, same thing. You have to think the Islanders, given what they gave up to get him believe they can sign him long term uh, I know some people were underwhelmed by or somewhat underwhelmed by the you know the package that went back in return I mean basically Jim Rother everything that Jim Rutherford said he would be looking for was exactly what the trade was you got a top prospect you got a first round pick and you got a player who is in his you know mid-20s and has been a, a productive player who hasn't produced as much this year so um, you know and the other thing has too. I mean, if you're if you're the if you're a Jets fan, who do you think who is the Anthony Bavillier that the Jets would have been willing to send? A guy who has had 20 goals, one, I think once and 15 on several occasions. I mean, I don't see that player on the roster that would have been available in a trade like this. It would have been more prospect focused, and that's that's the piece that the Canucks kind of wanted and maybe put that Islanders bid over the top. I guess so. Um, uh, I do think that the Jets will kind of be working around the, not just around the edges, Huss. I mean, the Blues just rolled through town. 
Barbashev, again, seeing him live kind of reminded me that he would be a guy that would fit well with the Jets. He has experience. You've been mentioning his name all season long. I've given you credit. That is a guy that you mentioned early on in the year that there may be some player movement on. And that certainly, I mean, he had that monster season last year with 26 goals. It yeah. hasn't been there this year for plenty of guys on the St. Louis Blues. And just while we're talking about the Blues, Ken, I mean, I think the Jets, you know, put a fork in them for the season in that comeback on Monday night. And if all the guys on this trade list bait board gets traded, the Blues are going to need about seven or eight new players because it seems half their team right now is uh, up for auction. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's the interesting part for me is that how much deeper do the cuts go for Doug Armstrong's group? I mean, I know that Pavel Bishnevich's name got tossed around a little bit this week uh, on the back end, like a Robert Bortuzzo. Like everyone's been talking about, uh, you know, Manitoba, Joel Edmondson, um, a right-handed version of him. I mean, maybe not as, whatever you want to say. Both guys who play with edge. Robert Bortuzzo would be a guy who would be of interest to some teams as well. He has one more year left on his deal. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done with the Blues roster, but, I mean, they basically hitched their cart to Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, and they're going to kind of be working around those guys. So they've got a lot of uh, pending UFAs that are going to draw interest around the league. Now it's a matter of – and, too, the other thing about the Horvat trade, Huss, does that mean it's a buyer's market or a seller's market? Like, depends on who you talk to. There's a diff differing view on what that trade means in the larger scheme of things for other other teams. So, I mean, credit to Lou Lamarillo. He got out in front of it and made you know got the player he wanted. And now we'll see how that move works out for them. But well, just on that uh, trade, we, let me ask you this because the timing of it is interesting. I mean, the Islanders are not had a great season. They've got you know depending on where you look. I mean, their percentage chance of making the playoffs is in the twenty percentile range. And Bo Horvat is scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. I mean, I can't help, Ken, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this just before we go. Um, I mean, this next two to three weeks for the Islanders, I'd imagine, is completely crucial, first of all, to get them into a legitimate playoff race. If it doesn't go well, and if their conversations with the Horvat representation don't go well, I, I, I mean, I could see a scenario where he actually gets traded again at the deadline. Yeah, I mean that would be a bit of a whopper, right? Us, I mean that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's imagine like if they missed the playoffs and he walked for nothing. I mean, right? What a disaster! Yeah, I would, I would, see, I would counter with this. I mean, the Anthony Bavilli, even though he still has value, he was a guy that you know he had one more year left, and things were things weren't going. Like, I don't think that he was long for the Islanders, but it's not like he was a year out of RFA and they weren't going to qualify him, right? He still had one more year left on his deal, so. I wouldn't call it an unmitigated disaster. And yes, we know the pick is lottery protected. So it's not like they're going to be giving up the, you know, first overall pick in that type of a scenario. But I mean, certainly, I mean, it would be, it would be definitely interesting. And Huss, the reason why it's so interesting, the, the Islanders are stacked down the middle, right? If we looked at the Islanders, they need winger help outside of Andrews Lee. They don't need center help. They have, they have Brock Nelson and Matt Barzell down the middle, and they have Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Casey Sezikis. So, I mean, one of those guys is going to have to move to the wing, whether it's Horvat or somebody else, to begin with. So that's the thing that's super interesting. They probably want to sign him long-term, given what they gave up to get him. But is he a fit long-term, or are they going to move one of those other centermen out onto the marketplace? I mean, that's the other thing that's interesting. Now, for the Islanders, Huss, 
they believe in Sorokin, right? So they have high-end goaltending. So if you have high-end goaltending, you believe you can make a run down the stretch. But you're right, it's risky because the Buffalo Sabres are also in that, like right in the heart of that discussion. And and the Panthers are in the periphery of that discussion. So you have a lot of teams in the uh, Metropolitan Division that are kind of battling and jockeying for position. And there aren't going to be that many deck chairs left in the musical chair. Like when the music stops, at least two of those teams are going to be disappointed, if not three, right? So, uh, man, like it, it really enhances what's going to be happening down the stretch. And especially because the Islanders have played more games than a team like Buffalo, I think. Oh, so, yeah. Listen, and same with Florida, right? Florida's games played are high. So like they're within the points realm. But they're going to have to leapfrog and hope those other teams are losing games. So I just think that they'll I, I have to make that decision. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if they if they don't win, if they're even further out at the deadline, and it doesn't sure. look like they're going to make the playoffs. They better have talked to their people about getting a deal done, and he can't get the eight year extension until post trade deadline. But they either need a handshake deal or a pretty damn good idea that he is going to re-sign there. Um, because honestly, I know Lou's got a great track record and he's got the cups. I mean, if you're a general manager and you trade a top prospect and a first-round pick in this year's draft, miss the playoffs, and see the guy walk for nothing, um, frankly, that's almost a fireable offense. Listen, I'm going to let you get back to the beach. Thank you very much for doing this. Have a great time tonight. We're very jealous of your beautiful surroundings and uh we'll look forward to uh talk to you next week as the jets get back at it and uh get back on after which should be a fun all-star break have a great trip my friend yeah thanks i appreciate it have a great weekend and uh, always a pleasure enjoy uh, enjoy the stress-free weekend uh before the football arrives uh kudos to those chiefs what a great tilt uh, right to the wire um and we're gonna you know and it should be a great matchup i mean you know the eagles are full value i think it should be the andy reed bowl should be a lot of fun that's for sure yeah kelsey brothers and by the way raj said hi we had a great time with him down in casey last weekend all right take it easy kenny great stuff from ken uh we do have hacksaw coming up speaking of that super bowl that ken just mentioned but before that we're going to check in with jackson jeff coat of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and, of course, our Bomber Reports on WST, always brought to you by Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, when you're thinking water in Winnipeg and water services, there's only one place to go, and that is the experts at Culligan Water, family-owned, celebrating over 65 years in business with everything you could possibly need, like water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see the Culligan experts at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check them out online on everything they can do for you and your family at drinkculligan.com. And just before we get to Jackson Jeffcoat, the weekend is here. If you're thinking about a trip to your local Manitoba Liquor March, don't forget to pick up Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, the legendary Canadian Club. Proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. It'll be a little bit before we're back enjoying a CC and ginger ale in the stands at IG Field. But Canadian Club available for you right now on your trip 
to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we'll talk Super Bowl and NFL with Hacksaw before Marbles in a few minutes. But right now, let's check in a little off-season visit with the newly re-signed Blue Bomber defensive lineman Jackson Jeffcoat. Jackson, how are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Finished the workout this morning. Now back home relaxing. Off-season grind. Uh, how uh, have you enjoyed the last couple months? It's been good. It's been good. I took about a month off. Um, enjoyed some traveling around the states, just going to see family in Dallas, Atlanta, and um, it's been good. It's been nice and relaxing. It, it was nice to be able to see family for Christmas, see family for New Year's. It. it I love seeing family, and I love family time. So it was great. I have to ask you, I mean, uh, we know the heartbreaker that uh, was the loss in the Grey Cup after winning a couple. Uh, how long did it take you to get over that one? And uh, have you watched it? Uh, I've watched it a couple times. Uh, you got to watch it. You got to embrace it. You got to sometimes you got to deal with the, the tough things. Uh, so I watched it, saw what I could have done better, uh, analyzed my whole season, going to get back to watching just the season on film. Again, of myself, and I do that normally in the offseason. Um, there's nothing I can do about it. It's the past. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to move on and uh, and get things started for 2023. After the, how long is the is the morning period between the end of the game and actually getting back in the tape and watching it with a focus on um, making yourself better? I'll be honest. I think I watched the game within a week of the game, of the loss. Uh, because I really wanted to see what was up, like what happened. Um, and then I watched it again when I got home back to Austin and I just saw more and more and more things of like, what we could have done better, how we could have executed better. And knowing that in the, in the future that we'll, we'll improve on that. Well, I mean, listen, two very good teams playing in a championship game. I mean, we've seen on the positive side the very narrow margin between winning and losing. Uh, and I imagine that's going to be a big part of the message of this football team going into next season. Congratulations on a new contract. We uh, we had Kyle Walters on, and we were sort of pressing him a little bit, and he kind of told us, don't worry. And a couple days later, we heard the deal was announced. Um the unfinished business tour of getting the band packed together seems to already be starting for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Take us through the uh, decision to come back and uh, how that all came together. Yeah, uh, I there's no better place to be at the moment for me. Uh, things just just fit. They fit into place right. Um, I wanted to come back and at least get another year in with Winnipeg and for, see what we could do. See how we could we could make some things shake, and I don't know. Every year is different. Every year is um, I take it I take it upon myself to be the best that I can be. And so, again, evaluating my season from last year, not being able to stay on the field the way I wanted to, I um, I have some high expectations for myself. Well, and certainly, I mean, the team has uh, set the bar so high. Um, that I'm sure when you're off-season conversations, there's a real focus on uh, coming back and um, having a similarly great season, but just ending it on a winning note as opposed to the way the last great cup. Do you talk to a lot of your teammates uh, over the course of the uh, the off-season and uh, 
What's the feeling amongst the Bombers about uh, that level of excitement to come back and uh, give another run at a championship? Yeah, I, I honestly, I just got off the, off the phone with Willie. Before that, I was on the phone with uh, Big Hill. Uh, yeah, we, we all chat together uh, and talk and shoot. I had uh, Tanner uh, Gaskill, Kyle Wilder on the phone. Um, uh, my boy, Baby Goat, that Brendan O'Leary Orange. Uh, I was that we were all just talking, but yeah, we're we're all excited to get back to work, get back to playing together, get, being our best as individuals, but being our best as a group as well. I think that we are a group that enjoys playing with each other, and it's been fun. I mean, this is a team that obviously loves each other and has had so much great success that. Um... I think everyone's looking forward to seeing the team come back with a bit of a chip on a shoulder, looking to do it again. Now you mentioned Willie and Biggie. I, both of them are here in Winnipeg right now. If you uh, didn't think about coming back, it's only about minus 25 right now, Jackson. It's uh, um, maybe, although you guys got some snow down in Texas, didn't you? We did. We did. Um, to be honest, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cold weather. I play well in the cold weather in November and I've done it in December, but, uh, I like my uh, winters down south in January and February, most definitely. Um, I also like the, the the ability to get out on the field. I can still get on the field and do work here uh, because even though we've had snow, we've had cold weather, it's not that cold. I mean, it's just we don't have the, the infrastructure and the equipment to deal with the icy roads, to deal with snow on the on the roads. And so that's why a lot of times people don't understand why Texans make a big deal. It's because if you think about it, when Winnipeg gets their first snow, there's a lot of accidents. Why? Because the roads weren't plowed. They weren't taken care of. And that's just kind of what it is here. Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience getting to Dallas the Sunday night of Super Bowl week in 2011, having a big storm and the city was basically paralyzed for the first four days we were there. Nobody left the hotel or the media center um, because, yeah, they just simply, simply didn't have it. As far as preparing for the upcoming season, you mentioned you took a little bit of time off, do a little bit of traveling. At this point in your career, what what is off-season training like for you, Jackson? Is it um, just a lot of time in the weight room? Is it uh, is it cardio? Um, and how has it changed over the course of your career? Yeah, uh, when I first started out, uh, it was a lot of, Heavyweight, weight room, get big, not as much running, not as much, um, not not as much running or, and then field work. So heavy lifting, field work, it's become way more strategic as far as one, playing to my strengths as a football player, uh, but two, being smart with my age. I don't need to overtrain. And there's a, I remember, one of my coaches was talking to Ryan Kerrigan when I was in Washington, and he was like, you're getting to an age where you can actually overtrain. And he was telling him, don't overtrain. Work hard, do what you do, but don't overtrain. And I took that to heart. I made sure that I didn't overtrain and try to do too much because I know my personality. Like, I'll be in the weight room every day. I'll be on the field every day if I have, if I can, like, but that's why I have a good trainer. He 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 dials me in, keeps me from going too hard or doing too much, and we're really intentional about the mobility work we do, the speed training we do, 
the the uh, acceleration, the explosion work, the physicality work that we do. Uh, so we're trying to get all all bases of my game, all bases of playing football, everything that we we can within training sessions. Jackson Jeff Cote of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joining us from Austin, Texas, in the off season here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, what's the rest of the offseason look like for you? Just mainly sticking around Austin and training? You got any holidays planned? And uh, I'll see when you get back up here to Winnipeg with the fellows and get ready to try to uh, get that season started. I think I'm going to be hanging tight here in Austin for the most part. Maybe a weekend trip here and there, uh, but haven't had anything planned at the moment. Yeah, uh, I'm really getting it in Uh and making sure I'm on top of everything. Like I said, like last year wasn't up to my standards. I didn't wasn't able to stay on the field like I wanted to. Like there were injuries that I feel like I could have prevented, maybe from not doing too much or doing other things. So I'm gonna make sure that I dial in on that. And um, I think I'll be back in May, beginning of May. So maybe two weeks before training camp, a week before training camp. Man. I haven't decided yet, but normally I drive. I drive up to Winnipeg, so it. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do that again or not, or figure out an easier way to get up there with my truck. Yeah, you know, well, the easier way is to fly it and have somebody drive it for you. That uh, basically, I think, is the option. Any volunteers? Nice. You were, you know, where to go? Jackson Jeffcoat's with us. Um, Jackson, you know, I remember in our conversations before, you're a guy that doesn't watch a ton of football outside of, um, you know, when you're playing and obviously tape and whatnot. Certainly, when I'm talking about like NFL four down football. But you did mention you did catch a little bit of the uh, AFC Championship game and. Just as a guy that plays in the trenches on the line, I'm interested in uh, what you thought of Chris Jones and the Chiefs' defense and how impactful they were in uh, getting Kansas City over the hump and back to the big game. Well, it was exciting to watch just seeing those guys get to Joe Burrow, who they, who his teammates set him up. It wasn't right. They they set him up for failure, talking about Burrowhead and all that. I Again, I never understood why people do that uh, I know you want to pump up your guy, but don't try to make your guy you're unless you're blocking for that guy, don't make the guy that's gonna trying to throw the ball and gonna get hit job harder by by talking crap. Um because he dealt with it. He felt it for sure. So it's always fun to watch that. Whenever I watch pro football, any other pro football other than the CFL, actually same. I I I, I'm studying it. So when I'm watching the CFL, I'm studying. I'm trying to learn. I'm not watching it for entertainment purposes. I'm trying to learn different things, see different tendencies of teams and whatnot, and, and I get to see it live. So the same thing happens in the NFL, and that's why I don't try to watch it as much because it's not fun for me. It's work for me. Or everybody else is just sitting there enjoying it, having a good time. Oh, that was nice. You see that? And so I'd rather do other things like throw a line in the water uh, or jump in some cold water like I've been doing every uh, Saturday. Uh, how are your dogs? They're doing good. Actually, at the moment, while we're talking, they're they're playing. So 
I figured they were uh, they were very popular additions on your last visit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We knew they'd be uh, they'd be kicking around. Um, you can throw them in the truck and uh, make that trip up back here and get started on uh, what will hopefully be another championship season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Jackson, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great rest of the off season, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again maybe a little later on or closer to the beginning of training camp and. Uh, Listen, it's cold outside right now, but cannot wait to get back to IG Field and see you guys uh, start getting after a little unfinished business uh, next season in blue and gold. Oh, yeah, we're going to heat it up. We're going to heat it up for sure. So everybody be ready. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. Whenever you get a chance, hit me up. I'll get on again. You're the best, pal. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Yes, sir. Oh, man, what a pleasure talking to Jackson Jeffcoat. Uh, Can't wait to see him back on that Bomber defensive line and can't wait to see the Bombers back at it at IG Field this summer. We're going to stay with the little pigskin, but the four-down variety. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton coming up in just a second. Got to thank the Nick and Nikki DQ Group for their great sponsorship of Winnipeg Sports Talk. They got four locations for you to pop by and enjoy DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, all open year-round serving up great burgers, blizzards, ice cream treats, and more. And don't forget, if you want a custom DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event, you can always hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you're looking for. They'll custom make it for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And, uh, hey, Beer Friday with Hacksaw now. You know what that means. Uh, Friday, happy hour, looking for something good. Well, hey, if you're going to go out for some suds, Get the best that Winnipeg has to offer. Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug, the iconic 1919 flagship brand, but always cranking out new delicious beers. This weekend, why don't you get your hands on the new Good Times Variety Pack with four new Little Brown Jug offerings. You can pick that up at Little Brown Jug in the exchange at Manitoba Liquor Marts or anywhere that sells good beer. And don't forget, you can also get Little Brown Jug delivered citywide by ordering online at littlebrownjug.ca. Well, we're down to two. It's the off week as we get ready for Super Bowl festivities in Glendale a week Sunday. But lots happening around the National Football League and a couple interesting games from last week to talk about. Let's welcome in Hacksaw himself. Hacksaw rocking the vintage Hockey News Took today. Saw so what's going on? A little chilly here, a little chilly up there, but as I told you in the front yard of my cottage in the northern Adirondacks in upstate New York, the windshield is now at minus 36, and it's only in the afternoon. It's colder, so yeah, a little, little nippy, but boy, have you thought out? That's the big question. I saw that picture of you on Twitter. You did look just a bit frozen at Arrowhead Stadium. It was chilly. It was definitely chilly. I joked to everyone that I was training for it or preparing for it by that bomber rider West final two years ago in December in Winnipeg. And while I don't think the temperature was maybe as cold as it was in Winnipeg, the wind, uh, the wind really added to it. And it seemed to be a factor in the game, even right down to the final seconds of the game as Harrison Butker's 45 yard, which normally is automatic for NFL kickers did not make it through that much. Um, well, let's just start there, Lee. I mean, it was a, a really underwhelming NFC championship game and you got to feel for the Niners. I mean, when you lose your, your quarterbacks, you're probably screwed, especially against a great team like Philly. 
Um, but man, that was another classic between the Bengals and Chiefs. They always come down to the wire when those two teams play. Well, I think the most fascinating storyline going towards a week from now in Arizona is going to be the change in the guarded quarterback because they're all gone. Tom Brady has retired, and obviously uh, Ben Roethlisberger retired, and prior to that, to Drew Brees and Philip Rivers, and uh, so so we got the four young guns now going to play uh, in the playoffs, and now we're down to the final two: uh, Kansas City, Cincinnati. It's just a horrible loss for the Bengals, uh, but but. They had problems in the offensive line, and Kansas City blitzed the daylights out of them. And we talked about last Friday on the notebook, Spagnolo does not have a history of sending guys. He sent a lot of guys, and they overwhelmed Joe Burrow. He had five sacks. I think there were eight hits. There were eight more pressures on top of that. So, And for him to throw for 270 with all those guys around him was impressive. But Mahomes is vintage Mahomes. One leg, scramble from the pocket, retweak the ankle. Still made a ton of plays down the field. I mean, I think he threw for 326, and they did power the football. Uh, that was a complete team victory for them. And I felt bad for Cincinnati, but the kid linebacker, Joseph Asai, he was just trying to make a football play. He was going 100 miles an hour, and I think he kind of lost sight of where the sidelines was, and his whole mission was to try to get to Mahomes and keep him in bounds, not let him go out of bounds. And they hit him just a, a, a step or two over the line and – the, the penalty, it, it just killed him. But, you know, he'll learn from that. But that was just a kid trying to make a football play. The, the NFC Championship game, uh, I think you're going to see a rule change. There's been a lot of dialogue about what happened and how unfair it was, the back-to-back injuries to the, the quarterbacks of the Niners. And I think competition committee, when they meet around Super Bowl week, is going to explore the idea of let's have a third emergency quarterback that you can go to if you have to. He'd be the only one to be allowed to play. If he went in, the other two guys could not come, uh, and he wouldn't count against the 46-man active roster. So I think that's that's one of the things that they're going to discuss, the aftermath of what happened to San Francisco. But I felt bad. Niners had a great season. It's a really good team. But, geez, Philadelphia, what a complete package. I mean, they just sledgehammer everybody. And we always thought out here on the West Coast, because we see a lot of 49ers football, Andrew, we always thought they're a pretty good team. They do worry out. Boy, you look at Philadelphia. They not only worry out, they beat you up. Uh, and they've just got every facet. Uh, what a job Howie Roseman has done as general manager going to get guys, uh, you know, citing Jalen Hurts and saying he was a great running quarterback in college. He could throw some. Could we develop him as a thrower? Yeah, they really have. And then they compliment him with, with the wide receivers, Devontae Smith and what they traded for when they got A.J. Brown. They're heavy duty at running back. And they just beat the hell out of you in the offensive line. And they got Fletcher Cox and those guys on the defensive side. It's just what a complete football team. So we're going towards what I think is going to be a spectacular Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it was bully ball uh, against a hell of a defense in the San Francisco 49ers. And um, that was a real eye-opener. And Lee, I mean, I know right now we'll have some more time to talk about this next week. But when you look at this matchup, I mean, um, certainly I think we give Mahomes the nod at the quarterback position. But outside a quarterback... Is there a positional area in your mind that Kansas City has an advantage over Philly? Well, Kansas City's got a lot of wide receivers, and they, and they do distribute the football. Well, if they're people. healthy, if they're healthy. If, I mean, he was thrown to a guy that had four catches and 24 tackles in the second half, I mean, basically pulling guys off the special teams unit. That, that, that made what Mahomes did even more special because it was basically MVS, Kelsey, and guys that basically hadn't played all year. Well, they got a problem. There's no doubt about it. This bye week has come at the right time. Huge. For these. 
they got three wide receivers have yet to practice. And Mecole Hardman has, has been ruled out. they got to get Juju Schuster-Smith back in there. So they got three wide receivers dinged. Willie Gay, the linebacker, who's a very active guy, uh, has hardly practiced at all. Their, their cornerback, Sneed, uh, still in concussion protocol. So this bye week was hugely important, not just for Patrick Mahomes, but so many other guys dinged up. So we'll see what the injury report looks like Monday. Because, you know, the next couple days will be where they really install the packages that they're going to run against Philadelphia. And from Philadelphia's standpoint, they got two offensive linemen hurt. Nobody's talking about Lane Johnson and then talking about Dickerson. Uh, their right tackle, right guard are both ailing, and, and neither one of them finished that playoff game uh, against San Francisco. And they're not practicing this week either. So this this bye week is really huge for those guys. Um, Lee, We'll talk more about the game next week, but um, you kind of briefly mentioned it. Um, Tom Brady announcing his retirement, and very rarely do you get something straight from the person themselves. I got up, uh, whatever, a couple mornings ago, fired up my Instagram, and the first thing I saw, I'm like, oh, God, what's Brady talking about now? Well, it was actually something quite important and significant, um, and he did use the term for good. Uh were you surprised that uh, he did? And uh, what did you make of the timing of announcing it the way uh, he did and when he did it? Well, he marches to the beat of his own drum hustler. Um, you know, at, at his age, and I've talked to so many veteran guys, and you know, I spent so much time in the league, just the injuries just pile up on you, and it gets tougher and tougher to go to the offseason and think, oh, God, i got to do this again and get ready for next year. And I, I just think he reached the finish line physically. And I think mentally, he's had a really hard year. This was not a good season in Tampa. He, his offensive line fell apart right at the get-go. He had no running game whatsoever. Half his wide receiver core and his tight ends were hurt for half the season. And yet he still had a mystical statistical season doing it by himself. I don't think he got along with the offensive coordinator towards the tail end. And I think that's a big issue and one of the reasons Byron Leftwich was fired. Uh, I don't know that he saw eye at eye with Todd Bowles. And Bruce Arians was not there, although Arians has obviously been a really tough coach also to play for. I just think he woke up and said, I have accomplished everything. And, you you know, you got that situation. You got the personal situation with obviously what's really turned into a bad divorce. This financial situation, I don't know if the story's gotten much play north of the border. He was a heavy investor in cryptocurrency. He had 1.1 million shares. He lost $45 million, $45 million. And Giselle, his ex-wife, lost probably $20 million of her investments. So he's just had a lot of stuff on him. But, you know, at the end of the day, who would have thought the 199th player taken in the sixth round would turn out to be this? And, you know, whether you liked him or not, you know, a lot of, I, I deal with a lot of, a lot of fans and and. People don't like his smirk, don't like sometimes his his condescending attitude, don't like the fact they always win, surely don't like Belichick and what New England stands for and all that. But at the end of the day, what he accomplished as a human being, and think about this, 23 years, Andrew, only one major injury in 23 years. And you and I know the fatality count of quarterbacks in the league. So it was his time. It probably caps off the true changing of the guard in the National Football League quarterback, and on he goes to Fox TV. You're going to be seeing him. He'll be on your TV in your family room next year doing uh, color analyst work. Now, I'm going to be interested to see, though, whether or not he's going to be glib, whether he's going to be one of the hot guys, aside from Tony Romo and Chris Collinsworth, is Greg Olson. Whether he's going to be like them or whether or not he's going to be 
like Drew Brees, who was one and done and rather bland and kind of boring. And so this, this going to be fascinating to see who he, he better is. Better not and be how one and done, considering the uh, contract that they signed. Wasn't it uh, ten years at thirty-seven and a half million dollars a year? I mean, he's not going to be taking much of a pay cut to go to uh, to the booth. And Lee, Fox has the Super Bowl, don't they? Like they do. It, it, did Brady retire just in time to get in on the broadcast next week? Well, the the report is he's not going to be part of the broadcast. Okay. So. That, that, that will be interesting to see. But, you know, he's making Hustlemania money now, so going to, <laughs> to work in the media. Hey, while we're talking quarterbacks, uh, before we wrap up, uh, by the way, I believe we've got, uh, yeah, Marble registration is open, everyone. So if you're with us right now, exclamation mark Marble's in the chat. We'll do that at the end of the program. Um, yesterday was the Pro Bowl skills competition. And, uh, Derek Carr having a bit of a crack at his own expense talking about why he needs a new place to play. Lots of rumors about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, why don't you give us a, a few news and notes on what you're hearing on the QB carousel that may be happening this coming offseason. Uh, real quick, I'll just run through the list on your board. Tom Brady is retired. Jim Garoppolo will not be re-signed in San Francisco. They're parting the ways as friends. He'll go on the open market. He's going to be a hot commodity. And you got Carolina looking for a quarterback. The Jets are looking for a quarterback. Houston needs a quarterback. Uh, he'll, um, Washington needs a quarterback. He might wind up one of those spots. The weird one's Lamar Jackson because he's his own agent, and that's the big issue. Baltimore wants him. Lamar kind of wants to stay. But Lamar wants a Deshaun Watson contract. Five years, fully guaranteed. Baltimore offered him two years guaranteed with big money plus options for three, four, and five. But the injury factor weighs into the equation. Just because Cleveland did something stupid with Deshaun Watson does not mean every other general manager has to do something stupid. So they got their heels dug in. And you would think, Lamar, that'd be a good choice to go somewhere else. But if he wants five years guaranteed, but he has to play a certain type of offense, but there's an injury factor now, two years running with Lamar Jackson. So that's fascinating. Baker Mayfield, back up with the Rams. He's not a top-tier quarterback. He'll probably wind up somewhere. Maybe he goes back to L.A. Derek Carr is really at war with the Raiders. Uh, his agent wanted permission to be able to go make a deal, I'm led to believe, with Washington, what the contract might look like. Raiders said no. Then Derek Carr said, if you won't let me talk, I'm, I'm going to not accept any trade because I have a full no-trade clause, and I'll go on the open market and I'll pick where I want, and you don't get any compensation. So this thing has gotten kind of nasty. So keep an eye on that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay. Not a lot of people can take on a $40 million a year quarterback. Unique story is Daniel Jones of the Giants. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent next month. Um, they're not going to uh, give him a multi-year deal. They're going to franchise tag him and, and see if he reproduces this year, next year. And if he does, then he'll probably get the mega contract. But he's had only one superb season. Matt Ryan's on a street corner as a one-year rental. Carson Wentz, say maybe he ought to go to the Canadian Football League. His career has really unraveled. And we haven't talked about the top two college quarterbacks because that goes into the equation, too. Bryce Young from Alabama and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. So quarterbacks will be front and center once we get through Super Bowl Sunday. It will be. Um, uh, yeah, who, if you had to bet right now, Lee, who takes the first snap next year for the New York Jets? I, I got to believe it's Mike White. I don't think the Jets are going to go get a superstar quarterback. Uh, they'll get a veteran. They're going to bring somebody in to kind of counsel Mike White. I don't know what happens uh, with with Zach Wilson because his game has been so spotty and so erratic, and there's a lot of questions about is he a student of the game? You know, he's heading to his third year. 
you got to be dedicated. you got to be an academician to be a quarterback in the NFL. Now, Adley, he has not shown that trait. But Mike White, the kid out of Western Kentucky, when they've been able to keep him on the field healthy, has put up some really good numbers. So I think they'll go get somebody, a veteran quarterback, to kind of be his confidant, be his aide, and maybe even be a, a quality backup. But just think about that. If, if they're burying Zach Wilson, holy cow, you burned a high number one draft pick to get him. Just got to get healthy. They had so many problems. They lost their great young running back, uh, uh, and then they lost all, all, virtually both the top three, top four offensive tackles were just just a disaster for them. Hey, Lee, just before we go, uh, pretty cool uh, introduction yesterday of D'Amico Ryans coming back to the Houston Texans where he started as a player to be their new head coach on a six-year deal. Uh, maybe just a quick hit of the uh, coaching market and the uh, jobs that are filled. Well, you got Sean Payton, and now Payton is interviewing some really marquee people to be defensive and offensive coordinator up in Denver. I, I think this uh, surprise U-turn as this was that he wound up going back there after canceling the second interview. I just think they're hitting a jackpot because that coach, the quarterback, Russell Wilson, the fact they're returning all their injured people at the skill positions, they're running back, the three wide receivers, and they got a one or two rated defense. I think you're going to be a big impact. I, I think the landscape of the AFC West, because Sean Payton's mailing address is now in the 303 area code, AFC West, I think, is drastically going to change. Indianapolis, have they called you for an interview yet? Because they called my golden retriever. They're interviewing <laughs> 50, they've, they've, they've interviewed 15 different guys. They brought a pile of them back for second rounds. And now they just announced they're going to enter a third round of interviews. They're going through all this, and then Jim is going to pick his buddy Jeff Saturday. I think Ursay's just lonely. He's just like hanging out with these guys and talking football. Apparently, a couple of these hour uh, interviews were twelve hours longly. Yeah, I've I've heard of eight hour interviews. I've never heard anything twelve, but maybe they broke for lunch along the way. I don't know what the Colts are doing, and you got so many teams that have quarterback problems. Uh, the one that's probably going to come out of this the best is Frank Reich in Carolina because I think he's a magnet for quarterbacks, and and they do have the, the high draft picks. So it'll be interesting once we get through. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, I want to say, I want to mention one other note. We're saying goodbye to an unbelievable guy. I wrote a column about it today on my website, and I write a lot of stuff. Some of it's great, some of it's junk. I always get response. I wrote I wrote a column today. Stop laughing. It's true. Just like your talk show. Um, I, I wrote a column today about Bobby Bethard, who just passed, Hall of Fame general manager. If you get a chance, read it. Have have all your viewers. Uh, take a look at it on my website. But he was the most eclectic, electric, eccentric guy I ever met. And for him, what he did with Miami Dolphins, what he did in Washington with the Redskins and Joe Gibbs, what he did with the Chargers and uh, going to the Super Bowl, uh, he's a spectacular guy. And we all knew he was going to pass. He had really had severe dementia and Alzheimer's. It's sad, but boy, he is cut from a different cloth. I mean, you you guys deal with the Winnipeg Blue Bomber people, and we deal with general managers in the league, and they're all cut from the same cloth. They're angry. Uh, they're re, you know re, just repulsive. They're demanding. They're tough to deal with and all, all that. He was so polar opposite. He was such a good guy. So we miss him. But you get a chance. You, I, I told some really funny stories about the things he did and how he reacted to all that. He was a great gentleman. And so I, I just thought I'd mention that because he meant a lot to a lot of people in the National Football League. He was, he was a great human being. In addition to being a great football guy. Well, that's uh, there at LeeHacksawHamilton.com along with uh, all the other information you've come to love. And I will suggest, folks, that you get on over to the Hacksaw YouTube channel because uh, 
Another fresh episode of the pod is up. Another hour of hacksaw, so you can get into that after Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Have a good weekend, Lee. Find something to occupy yourself because the big game is nine days away. You know, are you wearing chief gear? Is that what hey, you're wearing? The kingdom. We're ready oh. to go, Lee. You mean this one? <laughs> yes, that looks, um. well, <clears throat> you know what? I've got love for the Chargers. Uh, as much as you can for a division rival. And I know you're very tight with that club, but uh, the AFC still goes through Arrowhead and Kansas City. And uh, we'll see what happens in the big game next week against a hell of an Eagles team. Have a great weekend, yep, pal. Yep. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks, Hustler. Talk to you soon. Be well. There it is, the one and only Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. One more time. Well, tomorrow, next week, uh, we'll have one more chance to get together with Hacksaw before kickoff in Glendale on Sunday between the Chiefs and the Eagles. All right. Last call for Marvels, everybody. If you haven't got in it uh, so far, you just popped in, you still have time to quickly put in exclamation mark Marbles. Uh, we'll give you about 30 seconds, and then we'll wrap this up and uh, get into uh, to a little race. Remo, shout out to Doug Phil, who had some good suggestions for additional marbles. I think we've got to give them to the two Jet All-Stars, Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck. Morrissey would have been getting one anyways for his heroics on Monday night, I think. Um, and certainly one for Jackson Jeffcoat after uh, he joined us today on the program. Yeah, Jackson Jeffcoat, for sure. Um I'll put one in for Hellebuck and Morrissey. It is All-Star Week. Sorry. Jackson Jeffcoat for sure. Hellebuck, uh, Morrissey, the two All-Stars. So NHL All-Star Week. We're pumped for the weekend. I'll, I'll make sure they get their mar- Hacksaw oh. getting a marble. Okay. Yeah. Let's give one to Hacksaw and Jay Miller. And this is something I meant to talk about yesterday that we didn't. I think we also need a marble for the dearly departed Leapin Lanny Poffo. Oh. A.K.A. the genius. Uh, We did forget to get that at the end of the show, man. One of the more memorable characters in the history of the WWF at the time, now WWE, and uh, and the brother of the Macho Man. Yeah, Leapin' Lanny Poffo, we saw that yesterday, and he actually came in studio in the old station, I remember, and it was a pretty awesome, well-spoken guy, I thought. I don't know, he's getting, I think he was close to 70 years old. I don't know. That was, that one hit me yesterday. I was sad about that one for sure. JMO, uh, yes, the um, Leap and Lanny Poffo. I just remember when he was with the genius. Yeah. And he would throw out, he would throw out the Frisbees. Um, and then, of course, wore the cap and gown and would recite poems. He was, uh, if you're unfamiliar with who we're talking about, do a little YouTube dive if you like some of the more comedic characters of uh, professional wrestling history. Um, all right, let's wrap this up and uh, sure. wrap it up. Oh, and thank you, Shikster. Gabe, 60th birthday for Gabe. He's in. Gabe He's is in. in. Gabe is in. Well, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up before. Okay, did you? so you know they have the breakaway challenge. Do you see yep. this year's celebrity... Judges for the breakaway challenge. Did you I, know? I did not. Were you familiar with these celebrities? Do I even know who they are? Who they are? Let's uh, let's. You'll see. know one of them for sure. Let me. I'm trying to find the. Actually, you'll know a couple. You'll know a couple of them. I'm trying to find the graphic. Sorry, I can just list them off. Uh, ah, shoot, I lost it. Anyways, here's the judges. 
One sec, one sec. Ah, I thought I... I mean, it is a podcast. Let's just say it and people can... Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll react I'll... live. Okay, so... The judges are... Okay. Adam DeMarco. Not familiar with him. Never heard of him. Uh, he's on White Lotus. Dylan Playfair from Letterkenny. Okay. Okay, how about this one? Uh, Victoria Azarenka. Oh, definitely know Victoria Azarenka. And you'll know this one, Hus. The tag team, the Street Profits. What? Yeah. <laughs> Who wants the smoke? Montez Ford smoke? and the Angelo. Street Profits. Angelo They're the Dawson. best. Oh. I want to sing, I want to sing the Street Profits song right now. They've got a great. Kabilis is going to be losing it in chat. There. Get get the red solo cups out for the Street Profits. I'm actually pumped to see how they uh, interact with the fans because they are they are electric, great, great personalities. And it's funny you mentioned Azarenka because I was watching, I think she made it to the semis, I think, in, uh, in Australia last week. Hmm. And it reminded me that earlier in her career, do you know who her boyfriend was, Reem? Do, do, no. do you remember? No, but I, who was Red it? Foo. Yes, LMFAO. Yes, they're not together <laughs> just, anymore. Which just seemed like the most bizarre. She's like a Belarusian tennis player, and this was the guy from LMFAO. I had no idea what happened to those guys, but yes, Red Foo and Azarenka were together for a while. Uh, I did a little research. TMZ WST not together anymore. Uh, it, it, it's been a while. You go to my favorite website, uh, whosdatedwho.com, and it will give you that information. Bailey, Bailey asking, who are the street prophets? Bailey, come on. You need to uh, <laughs> need to brush up on your knowledge of uh, the WWE, the street prophets, one of the most electrifying tag teams. Montez Ford, and uh, Montez Ford does the frog splash, like even better than Jimmy Superfly Snuka. And I know that's high, high praise, but no one's ever gotten the height on that move that Montez Ford does. But uh, yeah, they yell, who wants the smoke? And they come out with red solo cups. At some point, solo cups fall down from the sky onto the fans, which uh, that was the WrestleMania entrance. But uh, well, they were anyways. just, yeah, they were at the Royal Rumble, were they not on the weekend? Uh, I'm sure they were. I'm, I'm sure they were. Pretty sure. I, I came back. I watched some of the Royal Rumble on PBR, but I sort of knew what had happened beforehand, so well, it wasn't as good. I talked about it on Monday when I texted you. Did you bet on? Um, I said, did you bet on Cody Rhodes? And you said no. I said no. I bet on uh, Sammy, Sammy Zayn. Don't tell me. Don't tell me who won. And I wasn't <laughs> sure if you got the hint that I had spoiled it for you. <laughs> I was hoping that you didn't, but it's hard. Well, the to, crazy you, thing was that Sammy wasn't even in the Rumble. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought he was, but he ended up being a central figure in uh, the championship match later on involving Roman Reigns. Um, all right, enough wrestling. Let's get to some marbles here. What, yeah, what brings them all out? Um, uh, Man, I don't a sure lot of marble ready. entries here. Beautiful. How many? 207 entries. Nice, nice. That's all right. Hey, everyone, make sure you've hit that thumbs up button if you're in. The, uh, if you're in yeah. And uh, got to be subscribed to uh, to win, so... Hit that red subscribe button as well if you haven't already. We're, um, we're moving what, up, uh, us on this YouTube subs. We're closing on 8,700. Yes, yes, help yes. Us get very there. close to that 8,700. And, uh, geez, you know what? We are just over 
a month away or actually under a month away i think right around a month anyways a month yeah from show number 500 on wst and the very same week by my calculations the second anniversary of wst on the 8th of march so uh lots happening on winnipeg sports talk right now but uh hey it's friday afternoon let's get to it i know everyone's waiting for it the weekend's not officially on and happy hour doesn't start until the marble race on winnipeg sports talk remo hit us with a little tristan rivers music and uh let's get going yeah any uh anyone got ideas for song dealer's choice dealer's choice this is the we, well, I got to bring it up, so I thought I would delay oh. a little, but give me one sec. <laughs> I will say a lot of people, okay, a lot of people asking about uh, Ken's background, I do want to say. So Ken was in, should we go behind the curtain here, Huss? Yes, yes. So by asking, the way, BA saying go back to sports, we were talking sports. Yeah, we were talking sports. Sports entertainment, BA, get with it. And uh, so Ken was in Mexico. Except he went to shoot into like into his windows. You could see the beach from his from his room, but you know when you shoot into a window, it gets overexposed, and you he, he was, was all silhouette. Dark. Yeah, so he would look dark, and like we want people to think he's in Mexico. We don't want to be looking at his hotel room wall. So I said, Ken, just take a picture outside your balcony and text it. So and then I kind of imposed it on the back, so it looked pretty. Which good, was a cra- I, I couldn't believe how good that looked. But yes, that was an actual picture from his window, taken about two minutes before Ken came on with us. Uh, but if you were wondering why everyone was just stopped and they weren't continually walking around, it was a still photo from the window there, where uh, where Ken was doing his thing. Cancun, Kenny, what a visit in the middle of his vacation. That's how much he enjoys you and speaking to us here on WST. What a guy. Oh. Well, I see Bailey dropping some bomber news here. Let me confirm, confirm this. We did have a sign in. Let's go. Let's go. A little bit of breaking news broken by Bailey, the intern of WST. He said, yes, the bomber's tweeting out two minutes ago. The club's all-time leader in kick return TDs is back for more Janarian Grant re-signed. So there's another one off Kyle Walter's to-do list. Boom, huge difference maker in the special teams game, Janarian yep. Grant. And it was interesting, Buck, uh, Buck Pierce was finding some ways to get him, uh, get the football in his hands uh, on offense a few times this year as well. So very, very nice. The, listen, I'm pumped that Janarian's back, but the one that I want to hear and see announced is Nick Dembski. Um, to me, that's now number one on my uh, my wish list for Kyle Walters to uh, to drop for us and Hopefully we can get a new contract for Dembski and then get him on the program like we did with Jackson Jeffcoat today. If you're a Bomber fan and you missed that, get back a little bit in the episode for a fun chat with Jackson Jeffcoat at his winter home down in Austin, Texas. Uh, all right, is Tristan ready to go or what? Yeah, Tristan's all that. I've been, I've been delaying it. We did have that news, so I'm just going to close my eyes and pick one. All right, ready? Here we go. Three, two. It's
Oh, man. I, I, I love the original. I love the original. And in chat, tell us honestly how many of you find yourselves Friday night, maybe even on Saturday after a Friday Marble Race on WST, singing along the Marble Race theme. I know it's happened to me. I caught Remus doing it, unbeknownst to me, uh, him, Always. earlier today. Um, an absolute classic. Um, speaking of classics, we've got over 200 marbles in. We've got over 300 people in the chat right now. And it's just about time to get it going. Now, uh, what uh, what are we thinking today? What's this Pixels procedural juice way? What is that? I don't know. If, you know what? Check it out. Check I it out. Let's take let's, it let's up. Let's do a quick look. Let's do a quick look before we... We'll, we'll take a look. What is this? Ooh. Have we ever I done this? I say we do it. I say I've we never... do it. This is a new one. This one looks good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing it. Wait, right. I don't think I loaded the marbles, actually. There's no marbles in, in here. So One sec. That's going to be a terrible race with no marbles. Yeah, Very we need boring. that. Um, <laughs> well, I use effort, even for pleasure. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. So uh, we're going to the, what's it called again? Pixels? Pixels Procedural Juice Way? <laughs> I don't know what that is. New track, new track for a Friday marbles ra marble race here on WST. All right, 212 in the hopper. Al Broderick with the super chat. What's up, Al? Thanks very much, man. Greatly appreciated. Um, Where are all the marbles? Here? I don't see I mean, them. Maybe they're, maybe they're up top. Yeah. I think they're yeah. about, above this thing. So Just start it, and if uh, no marbles come down, we'll cancel it and uh, put the marbles in. Oh, here they are. Oh, they're here. Here we go. Oh, this is wild. This is like a massive Price is Right Plinko board. Bruh. Quick. He's coming Quick. out first. The Yak Man. Whoa, 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 whoa. What am I doing? Asura Lama. <laughs> oh, somebody got blown up. Oh, That's Hustler Lama got blown up. MC Stormy just got blown up. Very, very tight marble race right here. Oh. Another bomb. Few people getting busted out. Waiters. Waiters just got uh, jumped. So Ernie. Landmines? Ernie and Shane. Yes, some sort of landmines. Uh-oh. I think Ernie just got popped. Rob Mahoney did as well. Rob is out. Um, man, very, very close here right now. So we go through it. Fast race as well. Bravo Bry. In first place, longtime WS tier, our buddy Brian. Bravo, Bry, in first right now. What you want to do is avoid some of these landmines. Oh, I see one. Nope, Bravo, Bry didn't get done. He did get slowed up a little bit. Who's going to make this through? Bravo, Bry. Bravo, Bry, back into first place in the Pixels Raceway. Bravo, Bry, in first. Phyllis in the mix right now. Who else is uh we got Shane Moore right there and uh oh a former winner, I believe, Bartholomew. Bravo Bry, first place, very breakneck speed to today's marble race. Who is it going to be? Will it be Bravo Bry? It is a first ever victory for our guy Brian. Bravo, Bry. You have won 
the marble race. Wow, you can just hear all the marbles popping down there, Reem. They're going fast. I don't, is the track like greased up or something? That must, it, Zamboni it, must have cleared it right before. It, it had to have been. And there's Timmy Two Shoes finally in. Wow, pretty interesting track. Yeah, I think this the grade or the slope on that one was a little bit more. I, th I think I know why it's called a juiceway. It's a juiced up track. <laughs> That's exactly that must right. be it. That must be what was going on there. They were going way faster than normal. Let's see the top 10. Uh, Bravo Bry, our winner today. Bartholomew, Shane Mason, Kendall Dirksen, Velveeta, D. Mitchelluck, no I in Timu. What's up, Timu? He hasn't been back in it. He's back in a little while. Puck and Hoots. Kabilis, a top 10 result. Nice work. And Lawrence Urichard. Uh, Remo, just, yeah, give her give her down there. we got to see uh, any of the side wagers. Bozeman. Ross Ransby. Are those still going on? They still got absolutely, side absolutely. It's a, it never it never ends. Every single week they're going at it. I saw Ross get in earlier. Who's coming up first is the big question. Oh, there's my guy Chris Vermet, Theo Seegers, iHeart Gaming, Chris Back, Cowboy. What's up, Cowboy? Saw Cowboy the other day at the bar, looking great He's in dancing. that WST hat. Dancing Gabe eighty six. Gabe, nice work for Gabe. Dark Moon's in there. Derek McGoran. What's going on, Derek? It's funny seeing people that I haven't seen in a while jumping There's in. Ross. Dallas, the Hollywood Gremlin. Okay, Ross is in there at 104. Keep going. That, that's good news for Ross because I don't think I've seen Bozeman yet. There he is, 125. Oh, a narrow victory for Roscoe. Well, the, uh, the rivalry continues between and fully endorse having side bets, folks, against your friends. In it, Mike Wynn, shout out to section 316. Isha Boy Bruce, Hugh Wachenko, T. Konopoly as well. There's Elliot. Tough, uh, tough race for a number That's of folks jo today. Josh Norrissey at 151. <laughs> Norrissey 151. Trust me, he's saving his best performance for the hardest shot tonight in the All Star game. No big deal. Hellebuck, what did Helly finish? 174. Well, there you go. And Jackson Jeff uh, right there at one save. Yeah, well, our placed marbles did not do well. It was more the experts, the veterans. But congratulations. <laughs> Bravo, Bry, making it happen. Bry, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Figure out a way to hook you up and get you that uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. And uh, tonight, Remo, all-star, hardest shot competition Oh, here's my thing. I clipped this last night when Morrissey was 10 to 1, but he's now 8 to 1. But uh, yeah, if you want to get over to Cool Bet, lots of fun things. I've, I have a few sprinkles on the activities tonight. We'll look forward to watching it. Um, maybe watch some golf this weekend. I guess maybe some basketball. Probably not the Pro Bowl flag football game. Um, they are playing flag football? Yeah, the Pro Bowl is now a flag game. Wow. I thought it was just the skills competition, but it's both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is smart. I mean, you can't have guys tackling each other. They, there's the football is uh they're not gonna have a real game in hockey. They sure as hell aren't gonna have a real game in football. And it hadn't been that way for a few years. I mean, it basically was a touch game anyway. So uh, be interesting to see what happens. Mannings are the coaches, though. That will be one fun thing, actually. I think I will watch it just for that. I'm sure Peyton and Eli will be mic'd up. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Anyways, gang, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for the likes. Thanks for the subs. Thanks for uh, making us a part of your day. 
Huge shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And of course, most importantly, all of you for hanging out with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Fun week. Um, as I say, not a massively packed sports weekend, but uh, we'll be right back at it tomorrow, uh, Monday, wrap All-Star weekend. We'll get NHL games back on the ice early next week, although the Jets will wait until Saturday, and we'll have a full week of uh, Super Bowl preparations, too, for the Chiefs and Eagles in Glendale, Glendale the following Sunday. Um, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks for being with us. Have an awesome weekend. We'll see you Monday on WST. Have a good one, y'all. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.